Hey, this is Mike Davis here with Matthew Dillner. Before we get to this episode, we felt it was necessary and appropriate to address the timing of this podcast and also the news that you most likely already know but might not. On Monday, probably an hour after we wrapped this taping with Dale and IndyCar driver Will Power, we received the news that we'd been dreading, that Dale Jr.'s mom and our beloved colleague here at Junior Motorsports, Brenda Jackson, had passed away. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time here sharing our emotions on this loss. Um, you can go watch a video of a, a wonderful tribute that the Dirty Mo Media team put together. It's on our social media platforms. Uh, my point here is to tell you that shortly after we received the news on Monday, Dale and I had a conversation about this podcast. Do we want to put it out? Do we want to do something else? Do we just want to leave, just do nothing? And frankly, Dale didn't even hesitate. He wants you to hear this episode. We had a tremendous conversation with Will Power. It was very insightful. Um, and we were really grateful for his time. Dale felt really good about this episode once we were done. It was and, a lot of fun. And so he wants you to hear it. And so do I. So does Matthew. So so, so here it is. It's the Will Power episode of the Dale Jr. Download, recorded Monday. Hope you enjoy it. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for the Dale Jr. Download with my co-host Mike Davis, Matthew Dillner, Leah, everybody is here. We got Will Power as our guest on the show. We will not be shotgunning beers this week, and you'll find out why. (laughs) We got this old race car I want to talk about that I bought, Mike, and we got some fan questions, guys, so let's get started. Yeah, I think I've ridden past you twice. Yeah, he's a boy's you bike over there? Yeah, I used to. I don't anymore. I don't want to get hit, man. <laughs> you quit biking? I still bike. Actually, I go on Broly School Road because uh, there's yeah. a bike lane. But I used to bike around that area. We used to ride. You from, think it's worse over here? From the shop. Well, yeah, but, you know, at least on Broly School, there's you know a the bunch lane. of well, yeah, there's a lane and a bunch of people ride there. So people who are yeah, driving there all them. the time kind of used to it yeah i'm not riding as much but yeah it's good stuff. it's kind of addictive well i don't have check, any biking check, stories check. so that's why <laughs> no, no biking stories not on brawley school he, oh okay. you got the one i heard i got the one you went to the what store and i made you sit on one <laughs> he took me to the cycling <laughs> store and I, and I sat on a uh electric bike what? oh i'd like that, one that, of those. that was pretty cool actually that yeah that's cool. an electric bike so I, you know i heard a story is in one of the, uh, I know it wasn't Tour de France, but it was. Uh, yeah, I you know, had the motor in there. Yeah, <laughs> I got my wife. That's a, that's a real NASCAR story, right there. <laughs> <laughs> I got my Sneak wife it. one of those electric ones. Yeah, and she so she she can do about a 16, 17 mile an hour average with, it, you know, and she don't use it all. She don't use the yeah. power all the time. You can turn yeah, it on, yeah. but it, that way she can, her and I ride together. And I, yeah. I, I can ride at a decent click. You know? I, yeah, I would like to do it for my wife, but she would crash, man. Like yeah. she, oh, yeah. she's bad. <laughs> I, I, I worry for my son. Like I hope he got some some of my coordination for the driving thing because otherwise we're in trouble. Yeah. I've taken her out to GoPro there, and yeah, no, nah, she's definitely. Are you not good driving. with this? <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe introduce who the yeah. guest is. Yeah. So you, yeah, well, you can hear our guest today is Will Power. Will, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. So I'm glad you're here and uh, really want to get to know you a little bit better. Now, I mean, I didn't even know you lived in Mooresville. So 
<laughs> I know very yeah. little um, other than you're other than you're a badass race car driver and, and you're very successful. I'm going to the Indy 500 for the first time this year. My first Indy 500. Um, and I've heard, I've watched it on TV since I think the first one I ever watched was 82, 83. And so, I mean, I've watched it all my life, but everybody says that there's nothing like the real thing and being there in person. So what do I need to, what do I need to know? What do I need to be aware of? What should I, what are the things that I don't need to miss? Well, I think, you know, the first thing you want to do is go stand on the pit wall there. Uh, as they go into turn one, like in qual- at qualifying, that's you know, 240 mile an hour turning into turn one <laughs> wide open. Um, yeah, which is pretty amazing. Kind of scares you as a driver the first time you do that. You see how fast they are, especially when you hear an engine stop and then you hear boom. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got to get in and go out and do it yourself. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing on race day when you walk out of uh, Gasoline Alley there with the, the size of the crowd. I mean, you spent the whole month there, you know, belting around. Um, and, and they're really, there's, you know, I don't know how many people are there on practice days. Obviously, qualifying is a few more people. But race day, it's insane. It's amazing. Um, just that, that feeling, that atmosphere, how many people turn up and uh you know i I think it's there's a lot of families that turn up it's just a tradition for them um you know through the generations you you know you speak to some people there and they say oh i've been coming here since 1960 or you know this is my 50th indy 500 which is just amazing yeah um for for people to be i I just i say to them say man you must have seen some pretty cool things pretty cool cars (laughs) amazing (laughs) drivers uh but yeah i mean it's a it's just a yeah, you know, honestly, when I first turned up there, um, 2008, uh, I had no idea of the size of the event, you know, because I grew up racing road courses, uh, racing Europe, um, you know, they don't do ovals over there, so everyone talked about the Indy 500, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, my first year, I just couldn't believe the amount of media coverage it got, and just, you're there the whole month, and, and people turn up every day, and, and, and you know, just hardcore fans uh so that was my first experience it just blew me away one of the first one of the things that um is interesting to me is just the history of the racetrack and um a lot of people really don't realize the um that the indy uh motor speedway is sort of where racing began in 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 north america and and really when it was starting across the world like this like people from overseas in 19 in the 1900s 1910s were coming over here to run at Indy uh in these in these races um and like uh the guy that started Chevrolet the guy that started Ford they all drove and <clears throat> the track actually closed down in World War II yeah and was yeah, yeah. It, like a like it was a left for dead you know yeah, yeah. All, you know, grass growing grass growing yeah. yeah 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 crazy that is that, crazy I mean the, the track and you know they were someone was smart enough to to revitalize it and get it going again when when the war was over but mm. Um, couldn't imagine what it was like to live through those times and and experience that as a yeah. race fan in the area. You're talking yeah. about the media. Um, me and Mike um, have heard a few things about you guys. We're trying to learn more and more about IndyCar drivers. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I hear about you guys is y'all have uh, y'all do an hour long autograph session every single weekend. The whole field does an hour long autograph session yes, every single field. weekend. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, yep, we do a. When does that? When does that happen? For example, I, I imagine on a race weekend, you, you're there. What, what's your race weekend like if you go to somewhere besides Indy? 
Yeah, well, usually it's, uh, you know, on uh, uh, Friday you have two practice sessions, and then Saturday you have a practice and, and qualifying, obviously race on Sunday. But, um, yeah, sometimes you'd be doing that autograph session in between practice and qualifying. Wow. Which we kind of complained about and said, come on, let's, can we do it either <laughs> after qualifying or on Friday? So, yeah, they'll, they'll put it in there where it fits. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's just, man, they're, they're very fan-friendly, you could say, um, which is really typical of American sports yeah. in general. That's, that's the thing I noticed over here. Like, Americans love a good deal, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you go to a Formula <laughs> One race and, you know, the fans can't even see the drivers, um, they pay a lot for a ticket and all that, and and yeah, I just couldn't see that flying too well over here yeah. in America. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure NASCAR's similar uh, in that respect, where it's very fan friendly. Yeah, people can walk around the garages, see the cars. See yeah, the- there's a lot of access for the fans. It's not as there's not maybe as much access to the drivers uh, in in NASCAR as I see in any car. I went to a, a drag race at Charlotte, at Charlotte. I say Charlotte Motor Speedway, but the drag race at the drag strip across the street from Charlotte, and I couldn't believe like the fans could get anywhere and the drivers. Yeah. The drivers were available at all times, really. Um, yeah. Just walking yeah. around. There's there was no f- ropes, no fence, no yeah. nothing yeah. keeping anybody separate. Um, but you guys, outside of that autograph session y'all do every weekend, um, what is the typical obligation for any car driver like? It depends on the, like for me with Verizon has yeah. been really good because I've had just the one sponsor and I have the same sponsor all year. So I haven't been like some of these other guys, like my teammates who have a different sponsor, you know, probably four or five times a year. So, you know, they have a lot more commitments and appearances and such, uh, yeah, and I'm sure that's the same through the field. It's been it's been good for me. Like I've been really lucky to. Yeah. What will your have, indie though be like? What when Indy yeah. 500? Oh, yeah. How intense from Saturday to Sunday will your schedule be? Yes. Uh, 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 on the actual weekend, it's it's crazy busy. The whole month is it wears you down sometimes. You know, we we had to say to the team like you got to give us a bit more time to rest because. You know, appearances every night, dinners, all this sort of thing. I mean, because it's just such a big event for the sponsors. They bring their customers, um, you know, and, and, and you got to do the work, basically. I mean, they're, they're putting the money in. How many times will you eat at St. Elmo's in a month? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, yeah. like, sponsor <laughs> events. Uh, you know, whatnot. Yeah, I, yeah, like, I mean, we, yeah, you have a lot of functions like that. Um, so I try to eat good food. Not yeah. saying the St. Elmo's is terrible, but yeah. try to eat <laughs> try good <not>. food. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I heard that about you. You're very particular about your diet, right? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, I went through a period where I was struggling a lot, uh, so I changed my diet a bit. And um, yeah, it when all you say counts. struggling, you mean in the car? Yeah, I just physically, uh, I was, uh, I was having a few issues a couple of years ago. Like, I, I almost quit. Like, I almost said, I'm really? done. Really? Yeah, I almost like, I just can't because I had no energy and I hadn't, you know, I couldn't work out. Um, so we kind of worked out what it was, bit of an allergy thing, yeah. and um, did a bunch of blood work, so on. Um, back to feel better than ever, honestly. Like, fitter, more experience, um, faster than I've ever been. I feel that way. Um, so yeah, it all counts, you know, all the little details these days, um, yeah. counts. Yeah. You see that. And, uh, Jimmy Johnson is the best example in NASCAR with the details and working out, take care of his body and doing things like that. And a lot of guys, man, in the nineties and, and even in, in the first half of my career, none of us really worried about our physical, uh, fitness. And yeah, yeah. we just thought, you know, 
don't do anything stupid. You know, <laughs> I mean, we, you know, it, it just, uh, it's changed in the last probably 10 years. It's changed so much to where all the drivers work out. I even got into cycling and you're, yeah. in, you're into cycling as well. And it, if, you know, when Jimmy's out there winning championships, it was, it was basically, you would either look at Jimmy and go, um, man, I, you know, I need to do better. Yeah. Or your sponsor or your owner would look at you and go, yeah. you need to be doing what this guy's doing. He's the one yeah. winning all the races. Yeah. So yeah. is there yeah. that kind of pressure is, in the drivers in IndyCar? Is there pressure to, is there pressure to compete off the track in physical fitness and, and uh, hand-eye coordination, all the things, getting, the, getting in the sim, getting sim time, mm. stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, all these guys, they post their work. I don't know why you right. would post a workout. <laughs> oh, that's the thing Like now. you're trying to keep secret what you're doing. I mean, right. you look on... <laughs> You know, Pit Fit is where they all train up in Indian. They're just showing you everything they do coordination-wise and all that. But, yes, at the end of the day, in the IndyCar, you can't not be fit. Like, seriously, you yeah. reach max heart rate in qualifying on a road course. What's like your max heart short, rate? Mine's like 170s. Holy cow! Ever see. Like, if I'm, if I'm 150, I'm hurting. 160, I'm almost puking. Like. What do you <laughs> – so, for, for me, what, what, is, what is uncomfortable on the bike? For me, 170 was uncomfortable on the bike. Oh, uncomfortable for me is once I'm starting to hit the 50s. Like, yeah. 50, 150, I'm like I'm, – It's I'm different for everybody. Everybody's, yeah. Everybody yeah, experiences yeah, yeah, yeah. that differently. So, yeah. so, you're 170. Yeah, 170 is God, the most dying, I ever saw in dying. a race car, for me, like, was a high 130s. Yeah. I never got yeah. over 130 in the race car. Yeah, well, I mean, Pagano, my teammate, wears a heart yeah. rate monitor. He said he was at, at St. Pete, he was 190 in qualifying. <laughs> but, like, seriously, you come in, uh, plug into the intercom, and you're like, <sighs> Yeah. Out of, you you think you're holding your breath? breath. I, I think you do because of the G force. Like, yeah. I reckon you hold your breath a bit, but it's just physical. Like, the steering is ridiculous. Yeah. Steering, the G-force, the braking force, everything about it. It's a brutal car. Yeah. Um, so you can't not be fit. If you're not fit, you'll be slower and you'll make mistakes. Like simply, like in a race, it comes down to a, it comes to a point where you're burning. Like it'd be like on the bike when you're right. starting to hurt. Legs are burning, arms yeah, are burning. You, you know, in the car, your glutes are burning, your arms are burning, your neck's burning and you're breathing heavy and you're trying to crack the visor, get a bit of air, trying to relax on the straights. I mean, you know, there's a point where the fitness counts. Like, it really counts for speed, mistake-free. Your team's saying, okay, it's time to push. We're at the end of a stint. We need to pull a gap for the stop. Um, so, yes, man, you got to be fit. Um, and, and, yeah, fitness keeps you mentally sharp. All, all, the, all yeah. those little – I mean, the whole field at Long Beach was covered by one second. That's 24 cars, one second on – how many turns have they got there? Oh. It's like, you know, 13 turns or something. I mean, that's crazy. In tight quarters. Yeah. Now that we know what his heart rate climbs up to, doesn't it make a lot of sense when we hear those clips after he wins a race and he's like, Aah! you know, and he's like, <laughs> respect, you know, and like now it makes sense because he's uh, – He's, he's now coming back down uh, to, to normal, but he's been on the edge the whole time. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, oh. let's hear it. Oh, come on. Now it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. He's, he's, that's his a legs fire burning, man. That's, like, it. that's a fire in your belly, right? Like, you just won the biggest <laughs> race of your when, career. When you, yeah, when you accomplish something you put so much into, like, yeah, yeah, that's the energy that I put into a, 
of racing, the whole effort. Yeah. Well, was that the Indy 500? Indy 500. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're justified. You won the Indy <laughs> yeah, 500. Yeah, yeah, Say whatever yeah. you want. You say yeah. whatever you want. Right? Like, seriously, the beginning of that month, I was so disappointed in my career to have won so many races and the championship and, and, and you know, so many pole positions, but not have won that race. You don't yeah. really recognize till you win that race. So that was all that coming out. You know, I was, I remember thinking, uh, during that month, like, man, if I finished my career without winning a 500, I'd be so disappointed. Um, so, yeah, I, that's why I was just absolutely... You got to let it go. Oh, man, I I did. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I love hearing that. And, and you know, we have, a, we have a race in our sport, the Daytona 500, that is kind of has the same, you know, yeah. emotion to it as far as for the drivers. It's one of those races that you just have to... You just, that's, the one, that's the one you want to win. Um, being from Australia, so... I went to Australia uh, back, I think it was 2006, two, yeah, I think it was 2006. I took like eight of my buddies over there, and uh, we had Marcus Ambrose was racing in the Cup Series at the time and uh, had become pretty good friends with him, and Chevrolet wanted to send me over there. They were building the new Camaro, and that's where they were testing this Camaro, and so they were like, hey, you want to go to Australia? I'm like, of course. And <laughs> Australia, I don't know how to, how to – Australians are just – Different. Different. <laughs> so, um, and I've tried to come home and explain that to everybody that I know and all my friends, my wife, she wants to go. And it's a hard thing to explain. The, the mm. mentality, the approach to life, the way you guys sort of, there's a real, there's low mm. stress and it's all, it, you, y'all just send it every day and there's not a lot of concern <laughs> about repercussions. And yeah, yeah. How do you, can you explain it? Because I it, sure can. It, it's actually hard to explain because I've I obviously grew up in Australia. I lived in uh, England for, yeah. for three years and I moved over here. And, you know, although they're all English-speaking countries, there's something about each culture that you can't really define. It's really difficult. I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's really hard to kind of put it into words, you know, the difference in, in attitude. Attitude. Uh, uh, whatever it is, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say Australians are particularly laid back, but um, they just have a yeah, carefree I mean, care, attitude, yeah, kind of a bit, bit more carefree, yeah. no BS, right? Sort There's, of attitude. Yeah. Um, I loved yeah. it, and I've, I'm like, man, I wish I could, I could adopt more of that into my life, yeah. and and uh, I can't, it's, I can't explain it. Mike, yeah, but you got to go over there. Well, it, it, it's different. I mean, what I found in in the U.S. people here is that, like, seriously, the U.S. has some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Helpful, nicest, friendly, respectful people. Um, and I found that as a difference between Australia and the U.S. Because Australians can be real smart asses. You yeah. Know? Like, um, and and you know, I don't find that over here as much. But it's just something within the culture that's different like that yeah like australia you, you know your mates constantly giving you crap about <laughs> everything yeah um yeah when you, was, when you went to australia you bring back paul morris and owen kelly yeah and so we got our our, our first uh taste of australian uh, australian uh carefree attitude would have been those guys right yeah. and so, my god especially paul morris, paul morris <laughs> i mean like He's the I dude. You talk He's about a, a dude, heart rate. Man. I don't think his heart rate gets over 70. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, you know, and, and, and he could be in a helicopter crash and not even get nervous about it. Yeah. And it's like, 
So, so are you saying they're all like Paul Morris? <laughs> not quite as <laughs> not, extreme not, as Paul. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. But there, there's a there's a lot of that in everybody over there. I think, I, yeah, I don't know how to explain it, man, but it's it's pretty awesome. I've never met yeah. an Australian that I didn't like, and I got to drive Paul's uh, supercar while oh, I was yeah. over there, which was a lot yeah. of fun. Before. At Queensland Raceway, I think. Yeah, so. I, I think I think that's where I remember seeing the article. Yeah, um, yeah, that was my home track. Like really, Toowoomba's only like. Less than an hour from there. Yeah. So I did a lot of miles around there in former Fords and um, I V8 supercars. Did like, uh, uh, that's where I did all my testing, a V8 there. Was, really? Uh, yeah, pretty cool. That yeah. sounds fun. It was a lot of fun. What, 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 uh, what's the name of your hometown? Toowoomba. Toowoomba. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I heard that it was, it was uh, you know, you got into a couple fights here and there. Like it was not like, uh, it, it, it wasn't was, like Australia, like we know Australia. Like it was definitely a, not. I was, that's one thing about Australians. They like to fight. They really? Like to go out, drink, and, f- yeah. and, and like, fight. They actually had to bring a law in called the one punch law that um, they call it a coward. <laughs> they call it a coward punch now because a lot of people were getting killed uh, by a single punch hits. So it's a great initiative. I mean, uh, you know, and that was. It was a weird thing when I, where I grew up. Like, if you went downtown, we call it downtown, um, uh, man, you were getting a fight. Like, if you went out drinking, there's always fights. It was just a normal way. I think things have changed there since, you know, I haven't, I haven't lived back there for uh, almost 15 years, yeah. but it was very much like that. Like, when I grew up, if you... If your friend met another friend, you were judged by how you could fight. Like, is he a good fighter? Like, that's what you would say. Like, yeah, he's a good fighter. Like, that's... Wow. <laughs> well, well, yeah, then, you, then you got to hang out. Yeah, then yeah. you got to hang out. If like, you weren't a good fighter, yeah, they were kind of... Huh? Yeah, it was seriously. That yeah. was a weird, weird deal. I don't know why that was. But were you it, a good fighter? I, I, I did fight, but I, I wouldn't say I was a good fighter. Like, <laughs> Just so did you not have any friends like, then? Yeah, no, no. I, yeah, I mean, seriously, like, when the fight broke out, like, you didn't want to... Like you, you had to jump you, in. You'd be nervous, but you have to. You have to do it. Like you got all your well, mates the, What's the last fight you've been in? I mean, this has got to be a long time. It ago. was a long time ago. Yeah, um, the last fight I was actually knocked out so. <laughs> <laughs> in a casino. Oh no! I did, was it uh, the one of the Gold Coast? It was, yeah. yeah. That casino, the Gold Coast. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's where we stayed. Yeah, seriously. It's, I, it's, it, I didn't see any fights while I was there. So that was, <laughs> yeah, well, Will was wasn't there, so naturally yeah. you wouldn't have seen a fight. No, it was. Actually, it was after a race there. I'd raced Formula 3 at the Gold Coast there. I was in a, at a casino. Just stupid, man. Like, Yeah, I, I just avoid that sort of thing like the plague. I don't want to get in a fight. I just got no, it's just stupid, you know? Yeah. Just That's how... Someone was looking at you. You just started bickering. <laughs> it's like, That's really it's how. It's so weird. Yeah. Like why? Why fight? It's just now I look at it so strange. Like why do you pick fights? Like it's kind of stupid. You're in a casino and you pick a fight. Like why? What is the one punch law? You only are like, yeah, allowed one punch. I mean, no, what, what? no, 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 no. It's to stop people doing you know an unexpected one punch on someone and oh. killing like oh, yeah. Like it's a sucker it, punch. Oh, like a sucker, a sucker punch. punch. Yeah, yeah. Sucker yeah. Punch. So they made the made it sound like they call it a coward punch so people it's not made to look like oh yeah i know you're a coward it's like if you, if you hit it. someone with a single punch it's a real coward move it really is yeah you know without them knowing it's yeah coming. yeah i saw i did see one fight while i was there so we were uh, in the <laughs> it's a goal back. We, well it wasn't we were at the dirt track with tony stewart was it? <laughs> no i did i did go to the dirt track uh, and I sat in the grandstands and just, you know, there was a dirt track close by where we were staying and we went over to this, uh, to it and, and bought a ticket and sat in the grandstands and ate a bunch of junk food and, uh, watched the sprint cars run. And that was a lot of fun just kind of being anonymous. But 
That was the greatest thing about being in Australia was nobody who knew who the hell I was. Yeah, he'd be it able to walk awesome. around and yeah. just, just doesn't matter. It yeah, was awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in this one bar with, and TJ, this guy was flipping TJ off. Well, that happens. Just, I guess TJ <laughs> looked at him wrong. I don't know. But, yeah, that's the sort of yeah. weird thing that happens in Australia. You look at a guy wrong, and, and the so, next, next minute you're outside fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul Morris went over there and, and laid him out. Flat. He did? Oh, yeah, Paul yeah. Morris. Oh. Paul Morris, man. Like, that's He's a big the guy. example of an Australian. <laughs> like, seriously, he would. he's the type of guy. Like, yeah, I mean, Paul yeah. can fight, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That doesn't surprise me when you say that. Like, <laughs> you wouldn't screw with Paul Morris, a big guy. Uh, I think he used to do a bit of boxing. I'm sure Dang. he did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he did. I mean, that yeah. must have surprised you. He gets up and punches. I didn't expect him to go over there and handle it like that. I thought he would just kind of tell the guy to, you know, leave us alone or, or yeah, whatever. TJ looks at everybody like that. But he didn't give the guy He didn't even give the guy a chance to explain himself. Uh, it sounds like he might have violated <laughs> the one, one punch, punch law. <laughs> yeah. Well, the guy knew it was well, coming. Well, the law probably wasn't around then, so he got away with it. Otherwise, he'd be in jail right now. So, <laughs> well, like a 10 year I mean, sentence. Yeah. Just throw a second punch just for good measure. Yeah. You're, 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 you're exempt. You're good. Throw the second it, one. It's like, yeah, he's it, good. He's good. Let him go. If Paul was on a first name basis with the jail security guards, would any of us be surprised? No. Yeah. No, he's probably been there a couple of times. So one of the things I noticed when I was over in Australia is the way that Australians do cars. And I mean even just manufacturers. Everything that I saw, at least in my opinion, when I when I come back home and I look at our car industry, uh, you guys do everything better. Uh, y'all have the Ute, for example. The Ute? I can't believe there's you guys not a you have the Ute yeah. over here. The Ute I thought is the, the same thing. Oh, the now all oh, these, man. yeah, all these, all this is from my experience in 2006, but it still is true today. Uh, the the Holden Commodore to me in 06 oh, man. was an amazing street car. Seriously, the Ute, everything that everything had like re, not overdone, but reasonable ground effects, good engines. There was yeah. not like a, a a low no options model, right? You can't go get like. Every a stripped down version of a car. There, everything is is uh, gonna have the best of the best yeah. on it. Everything that I saw driving around, there's there's no stripped down models. Like I see. I see Holden. I see that called Pontiac over here. Right? All right. So what happened? Were, yeah. yeah. What happened was is after '06, uh, I heard that the Holden was coming to the U.S. and I was hoping that it was coming as the SS, which eventually it yeah. did. Eventually, the the SS that we raced in in, in NASCAR a couple years ago was from the Holden. Uh, in Australia, but it came as the Pontiac G8 to North America. Pontiac went out and went out of business, and I found a G8 for a reasonable uh, price, and I had all the stuffs uh, shipped over from Australia yeah. to turn it into a Holden. So I have that. Yeah, yeah. I have a Holden here at the house. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite cars, man, just a beautiful yeah. car. But you guys do did automobiles. Everything seemed cooler. Everything. It's like you say, no bull, no bull. You just they just said. Every car should be cool. Every car, sh- you know, why would we have a stripped down model of a Holden when everybody should just have the right thing? You know, the yeah, right kind of yeah. car. Yeah, um, yeah, and for a good price. I mean, the car yeah. you get for a really good Holden over there. Um, yeah, my dad. I mean, seventy grand you can get a pretty awesome machine, yeah. like with all the best stuff on it. The Ute's kind of like a uh, S10 would be over here, but this thing's low to the ground. Ground, nice yeah. ground effects, nothing overdone. Big motor. Yeah, and yeah. and they raced. They have a Ute series over there. Oh, wow. yeah. I went to Phillip Island to watch the race. Uh, they, yeah. The great thing about uh, the winter time here is it's the summer over there, and they're racing. 
Yeah. And so we, yeah, we yeah. went and watched yeah. the race there. Yeah, the Utes. Man, I I don't know if a Ute would take off over here, especially down here. I mean, they love their trucks. Yeah. Like, yeah. they don't like the low-looking Ute. Ute you see around here, like, people are driving like... I think it would be kind of like the return of the El Camino. I think it would work. <laughs> if you pos- really? if you positioned it as an El Camino sort of turn, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, the El Camino's iconic. What's that? I don't even know what the El, El Camino, Camino is. The El Camino is basically a Ute. It, it's uh, basically if you got a... I don't know. Yeah, it, oh, out. so that's what a Ute is? A Ute's like a the, car no, truck? No, no, no. Yeah. It's a low... It's a low rider S10. Oh, okay. But if you but if you brought it over it's here, a, maybe as the El Camino, El Camino would be basically like a, a, a Monte Carlo, 1980 79 Monte Carlo with a, with a bed on it. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, that's a Ute. That's straight right? up. Yeah, it's, that's an El Camino. Yeah, that's an El Camino. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's a Ute. Like that's some pretty cool looking Utes. So you're Australia. saying that they raced? They raced those. <laughs> yeah, those what? in Australia. I'm moving tomorrow. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> an well, El Camino also, racing series? Don't they also have those cars I've seen on TV with the freaking looks like bumper cars? Man, they got all the rails all around them and stuff. And, and I don't know those little short track did cars. You ever, that run dirt. Did you uh-huh. ever run Bathurst? Yes. Do you oh, think? Yeah. Do you yeah, yeah. do you think that Bathurst is the Track of all tracks. Oh yeah, man. There's it's, a. It's amazing. Bathurst amazing. to me doesn't get the respect it deserves. As I don't want to say dangerous because it's not dangerous. Mm. It's not dangerous. Isn't the right word. It's just you got to. It's it's just an amazing high commitment. Yes. Blind corners. Right. Track. I don't and, think there's another track in the world like it. And it's almost built for a sedan. It's almost built for a, you know an open wheel car wouldn't do it justice. Mm. Because um, you just be wide open or, or, or all the way across the top there, but in a V8 supercar, heavy car, I mean it's a handful. Uh, you know, coming down the over the skyline there, they call it. Just as you start heading down the mountain, I mean, how steep that is. It's a blind corner. I, I think they're in fifth gear there. I mean, uh, top speed, uh, amazing, amazing track. Really tough. Um, just, to, I, I really want to do it again. But did you? I, I what did you race over there? I raced a V8 there. I also Ooh. did. They had a 24-hour race there, yeah. and I raced a, a Porsche GT3, really? which was just awesome. It was amazing. Uh, I had the uh, the early morning stint, like 4 a.m. So just as I'm coming over the crest there, I saw see the sun. One lap, the sun wasn't there. Next lap, she's popped up. Oh, wow. It was just a really cool event, you know, a 24-hour yeah. race there. Really, really fun car to drive. Um, yeah, but I want to go back and do the Bathurst 1000. Now mm. that Penske has a great team. I mean, yeah. it's just a... Cool event, and and as as an as an Australian, that was the race you watched as a kid. You get up, you know, when it started early in the morning, and then you know you'd watch it all day. So um, it's a dream of mine to 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 win that. Any Australian kid, it was a yeah. dream to win Bathurst. So I'm, I want to go back there and um, have a shot, or just get some experience there and be in a position where I could. Uh, potentially win it sure i encourage everybody listening to check out bathurst go to youtube and look at some of the videos of the guys racing around that track and alonzo talks about trying to win the triple crown or whatever where it's yeah. uh, 24 hours of, of le mans indy 500 and so forth and i would put bathurst the bathurst 1000 not only in that conversation but mm-hmm. toward the top because of just the challenge that the track is itself yeah um just an incredible racetrack it, people live on that track like you can drive on it you can yeah. take a rental yeah, car yeah, yeah i'm glad we did it's a bit of a trek for us to get there but um it was worth it. We had we loaded up this minivan and drove over there and drove the minivan oh, yeah? around the track. No, it's crazy because <laughs> we've played we we've, we've raced on the track on iRacing on the computer. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, we're like, man, yeah. here we are. You know, yeah. We actually Seriously. sit in the museum and watch the video. And I bought a diecast from the museum. Mm. One of 
Yeah, actually, I haven't been to the museum there. Yeah, really? I yeah. Seen it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be it, cool. I'll have to good. do that next yeah. time. Have you been to the indie museum? Because Dale, have you yeah. been to that one? I've been to. Or? I've seen it a little bit. Yeah. 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 It's the same. You get to watch the video. That's the first thing I did when I came to the US uh, to test in '05. The first thing I did was I landed hotel and caught a cab to the speedway. Jumped in that bus, you know, you pay the money to go on the bus and do a yeah. lap of the speedway. I, I, I kind of went through the museum and everything. It was actually a cool experience. So, so if we get back to Indy, he's going to go be part of the broadcast team. Yeah. Tell us what drivers he needs to stay away from, <laughs> what drivers he needs to be near, who's going to give him the best interview. Give us the lay of the land on the IndyCar drivers. You're, you're helping Dell out in his first Indy 500 in the, in the broadcast coverage. Um, yeah, I mean, they're all, uh, yeah, they're all pretty, pretty good guys. I mean, easy to, easy to talk to, obviously, you know, Hinchcliffe's a, a great character yeah. in the series, great interview. Um, it's just a bunch of really good guys. I mean, they're, uh, you know, all media friendly. Um, yeah, it's 33 drivers, really hard to <laughs> tell you who to stay away from. You know, um, you, you bring up something and I've always heard this, I've, you know, we always like to compare our world in NASCAR to other racing series. And he was talking about going to the drag strip and we think we're accessible, but then you go somewhere else and we, and we realize mm-hmm. that we're not as accessible. We're a bit more insulated than what we think we are. You know what I'm saying? And so if he wants to go up and interview somebody in the IndyCar yeah. series, what, what does he have to do? Does well, he have to I, book I an think, appointment? What I does think, he got to do? I think it's because, because it's Dale. I, I don't think <laughs> <laughs> everyone will be like, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. No, I think, I don't think I mean you could go up to anyone in that field and they will want to be interviewed by you. During um, practice. We're actually really stoked that you're coming to, um, to is that right? be in the I'm, commentary team. I'm, that was one of the yeah. things so I was flattered as hell that any of you guys even cared that I was coming. Oh, believe me, everyone was super happy yeah. that you're you're coming. That I mean, means it's a big deal for us. It means a lot to me that you yeah. guys think that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to get this question all the time and never understood why it was important. People would always ask me all the time who I was hanging out with, who I was friends with, all, you know, who you're friends with on the track, right. who you hang out with. And I'm like, ah, why is that? It's not yeah, that cool. None of your business. But yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> like, you, do you hang out with any of the guys that you race against? You live in Mooresville. I don't know yeah. that many of them live in, in this area. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually, I don't. Um, it's just, it's, it's, well, for one, I don't live around them but right. it's actually quite difficult to be good friends with someone you got to compete with at a high level yeah like you can't be a good friend to them you know really you would be holding stuff back and um you know i could see myself being really good friends with these guys after i finished my career but while you're battling it out on the track you know it, it's just really tough i mean you give them all the res- you know you give them the respect they deserve um and you're friendly to them but you couldn't really you know be going to dinner hanging out with someone that you you really need to beat you know it's it's the competition's so tight now it, it, it's just you know i yeah. it, it's it's just a tough situation you no. sim- simply couldn't be a good friend to him mm-hmm. you couldn't be a truthful good friend because you know as a competitor you would be holding something back right. um you know you wouldn't be completely honest with them so to me you know i'm friends with them sure. but you couldn't be close friends living in mooresville you get to spend time i know you see uh, several drivers in a nascar uh whether it's a you know the cup series xfinity series or truck series just living in mooresville you're around a lot of them you're working out with them yeah. um are you are you from good friends with some of those guys uh yeah i used to do a bit of cycling uh you know, with josh wise yep. you probably know josh wise um who well I've, i see a bunch of those guys around uh, uh john nemechek 
Um, used to used to write, man, he's super fit. He is. Like he he takes care of He gets himself. after it. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 good. He's very talented. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's there's plenty of drivers around here, and you know they all work out. I see uh, uh, what's it, Eric. Eric Amarola, yeah, yeah, I see him sometimes in the, in so the what gym you, I go so to. So if you're not hanging out in good friends, great friends with any NASCAR drivers, yeah. what are you doing in Mooresville? <laughs> uh, actually, I hang around a couple of local guys. You <laughs> probably know who. Travis Beam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I actually hang around guys that are true locals here that have yeah. been here for a long time. Yeah. I cycle with them, work out with them, um, you know, just a, gr- a small group of Did you go back guys. in their building? Yeah, yeah, oh Isn't yeah, that crazy? yeah, yeah. That's, that Travis Beam's cool. family have this that's, has a museum here in Morrisville. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, oh, you've never been there, no. oh, Matthew? Tell us yeah, about Travis Matthew. Bean. This is you, like right up your alley. <laughs> he's got like crash cars. In yeah, there. it's just amazing. So, some of the oh, stuff he's Matthew, collected. Matthew, you're right. You stirred. You stirred. So, <laughs> Matthew, in this museum, yeah. it's all on 150. Uh, when you go past, uh, uh, you go past Steak and Shake on the right and the Best Buy. I mean, yeah. on the left. Best yeah. Buy and Second Shakers on the left, down 150, yep. heading toward yeah, heading toward Denver, I guess. Um, the, you, uh, Lee Petty's car that went over the wall at Daytona, he has that car. No, wow. yes, Slap. yeah. I thought like, that would be buried. That or would be behind that would be Petty. the only. That would be enough reason yeah, to right. go to this museum. Yeah, it's done. yeah so uh, oh, Travis has a limited. Go. Travis has a cycling company called Livid Extreme. Okay, yeah. um, yeah, and you yeah. work you 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 spend time with him. Great yeah. guy, super yeah. super cool guy. But they have this giant collection. I mean, huge oh, building full of NASCAR memorabilia and race cars. I'm excited. They, oh, yeah. man, you got to go. It's pretty awesome. Travis is going to be thrilled we mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, man, he'll be over the moon. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about him. Yeah, he's a yeah. great guy. Yeah. But, um, so we, we um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about, and uh, it's so, so good to have you here because of this, um, a lot of guys, we want to talk about the double, all right? And the double is running the – Indy 500 and the in the World 600, I like to call it the World 600. Yeah. It's just easier. Uh, in the same day, and we started a poll. We put a poll up on our social media, Leah. Yep. So we had four drivers: Tony Stewart, Robbie Gordon, John Andretti, and Kurt Busch. We asked the fans uh, the double who did it better, and overwhelmingly Tony Stewart, which goes right along right along well with the stats. Yeah. He so did. he yeah. did. Four drivers, obviously. Um, Kurt did it back in 2014, John Andretti in, two, in 1994, Robbie Gordon in 97, 2000, 2002, 2003, 2004. Tony Stewart did it in 99 and 2001. Um, and he, he finished pretty high up there Stewart, in both. Yeah. yeah. Stewart is the only driver to do all the miles. So oh. all 500 miles at Indy and all 500, all 600 mm. in, the, in, the, in the world, 600, 1,100 miles. And um, he did that in 2001, finishing sixth at Indy and third at Charlotte. Um, it's a big day. Yeah. Big, yeah. big day. Yeah. I remember the first time he did it, he was Pretty laid cool. out on the pavement after he got out of the car in Charlotte and, and was needing oxygen and IVs and everything else. Yeah. yeah, man, that's like, I couldn't imagine after being running the 500 and then having to jump in a chopper or a plane to get down there and run it would be, 600. How long does the 600 take? Four and a half four hours. hours. It's, uh, I mean, the, the, I think the toughest part probably is the commitment on the IndyCar side being a month long commitment. Yeah. Cause we're kind of, we're still kind of racing throughout that month of May every weekend. And you, as, you know, as a NASCAR driver to go and, and, and be available and be present yeah. for that month of May in yeah, Indy would be yeah, tough. Yeah. 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 I mean, Kurt Bush did a bloody great job. He did. Really, really Man, good job. 
even if you weren't a Kurt Busch fan, you would be you were pulling for Kurt for sure yeah, in yeah. that envi- in that yeah. environment. And yeah. I think it'd be the same way for an IndyCar guy to come to Charlotte and race, no matter whether you were a fan of his or not, or maybe you disliked him as an IndyCar driver, but you yeah. would want him to do well. Yeah, I mean, in practice, in the last practice, uh, I was following him, and right in front of me. Whoosh, yeah. Boom into the wall. Um and what blew me away, he he didn't lose confidence. Like he, he that was his last time in the car. Next time was the race. And he jumped in and not a problem. Like normally when you have a hit in the IndyCar, they're bloody big, man. Like yeah. they hurt and and sometimes you don't even know what happened. Like, man, what happened? Did I get a gust of wind? So you're a bit unsure when you get back in, but he I guess in NASCAR you have so many hits, it's like, oh yeah, it's just another one, I'll jump in. But <laughs> man, he was like, I just, I was impressed. He did a bloody good job. In 1970, Donnie Allison won the World uh, 600, and he finished fourth at the Indy 500, but they weren't on the same day. Doesn't That's count. pretty good. Yeah, it's, good. it's good. It's good. It's good, but that double the same count. day is crazy. Davy Jones yeah. attempted to uh, do the double in 1995, but failed to qualify for the World 600. Um, so, Will Power, are you ready to announce that yeah. you're doing the double? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been try- I have been trying. I want to do really? an oval race in a NASCAR, man. Really? Like, I you so- know somebody I that just, owns NASCAR. I just want to drive one. I just want to feel what it's like. Like I just, do you think you would be able to get that opportunity at a test or something with Roger and? Yeah, I just got to find the like the time. They, they don't do anything for no reason. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. so I could experience the car, they'd be more like it's got to make sense to them. So, um, but even yeah. test, I think I can't remember if I asked him. I think he said win a win a championship in a five hundred, then we'll talk. So I've done <laughs> oh, that. You're good. Now. Oh, you're good. <laughs> so, like. He's wanna, a reasonable I just, guy. I would love to do Okay, like, so here, on the line is Roger Penske right now. Matthew, you want to patch him in? We're going to yeah. have him. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm curious as what track you'd want to run. What race would you run? I, I know. I'm uh, a mile and a half oval. A short track would be bloody cool, but a mile and a half oval would be would be fun. Like, it'd just be something that I've watched and I want to experience. I just want to feel it. I just yeah. want to see what the, what are these cars like, you know? Could it be, would I be okay in them or, or what? But I think I'd love it. I've done it on iRacing. I was like, I love these things. Yeah. You know, I don't know how close it is. Probably miles. Do you, off, do you iRace a lot? Yeah, uh, so not in the season because it gives you gives me bad habits. But um, you know, sometimes in the off season, I do a little bit. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, there's some good guys on there. Yeah, there yeah, are. iRacing. I think iRacing is as close as you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Seriously. You know, without yeah. spending a, uh, millions of dollars. Yeah. To do the real thing. Yeah. yeah. So if. if Talking about the double and and who did it the best, we want to think we want to talk about drivers that we think uh, we'd like to see uh, pull a double. Oh, and yeah. uh, I think all of us pulled together uh, different names and different drivers. So I'll let you go first, Mike. Well, you're going to think I'm joking, but I want to see Brad Kozlowski pull the double for no other reason than to have him get out after an IndyCar practice or race, and then Brad tell everybody what they're doing wrong and, and basically the state of the sport <laughs> in IndyCar. Because like, you know, this, you know, like, but Brad will have a strong opinion about oh, something. Yeah. And, and I would, I just sit here and inter- get entertained by them. But I think Brad is, uh, you know, he could probably, if he, if he committed to it, I oh, think Brad would. would be, yeah, I think he would be pretty good at it. I didn't it. think about that. I, I, mm. I'm, now, I'm on board with that. But who do you got? No, no, no. I love that. But I love that about Brad. Yeah, like he said yeah. he just goes on and on about every topic. He's he, he's so passionate. Put him in the about. car two yeah. times, and he'll know everything about your sport that he that needs to be fixed. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I he got, I think he got excited after Kurt did it. Um, I think that's when he tested the car. He, he, he drove the car at Road America. Oh, he did. Um, yeah. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, he could he could do it. I think the the guy that could do it, well Larson, I reckon yeah. would be 
awesome. Uh, but uh, Kyle Bush, yeah, I reckon Ooh, yeah. Like, he's super. I have good. Kyle like, on my yeah. list too. Yeah. Okay, I have Kyle and Jimmy. I, I think Jim. Only reason I put Jimmy on there is because of it's kind of like the Alonzo thing. Like you want to see Jimmy go. I, Jimmy says he's going to race after his cup career is over with, and I, I assume that he's going to go try to compete in these big giant events and just do more cool stuff. And um, so I'd love to see his attempt at the Indy 500 and his mm. what what I, that. I think you know some of the cup drivers would be more willing once they put the windscreen on. I think that's coming next year. Oh yeah, uh, so it'd be a lot safer. Um, a lot safer. So so t- expand on that a little bit. What's happening next year? Yeah, I think the plan is. I'm not going to say it's dumb, but the plan is to have a windscreen next year, I think, okay. uh, um, which is, to me, a huge step in safety. Huge, the the last step, like the last big step in safety that they need to implement yeah. um, because when you look at the uh, last two fatalities, it, it would have prevented it. I don't even, even know before that, but, um, uh, yeah, a big difference. And I think people feel a lot safer or more confident in um, coming over and doing like a one-off at Indy. Is it like the Halo like like the thing yeah. like in Formula 1 you're talking about? It will be something like that. I think they're going to announce something like that uh coming up here, but um it's it yeah, it's going to be a windscreen basically. It'll be a full windscreen, not like the Formula 1 where they just got the the Halo, but they're going to actually do a wind windscreen, which is what we need. Um cuz man, when when one of those cars on a super speedway crashes in front of you, it's just, I remember uh, Indy a couple of years ago, I put my arm up like yeah. it's probably going to get chopped off with some of the uh, the speed you're doing, but it's just stuff goes everywhere. And when you think about like just the tiniest piece oh, yeah. to the helmet and, and you know, you're We've seen that out. in IndyCar or uh, Formula yeah. One. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's, I, I mean, I think more Formula One drivers will want to race Indy and um, same with cup drivers. Really? Okay. Yeah. Just because so it's safe. We were I mean, talking about cup guys going way. going to Indy. What about Indy guys going to to the World Six Hundred, Mike? Hinchcliffe and and Will. I, I think either one of those, and maybe Helio. Yes, that's yeah. who, yeah. I, Helio, that, that's who I was number one on my kinda, list. Was a guy to go that way. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, I, I think that would be fun. Again, I you know I I'm not coming at it from the racing. I'm just coming at it from my own entertainment, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I look for the most entertaining guys and people that would amuse me. I think those would be it. Who do you yeah. got? Yeah. Uh, Will and Scott Dixon. Just Scott Dixon, I think because yeah. of their yeah. success, y'all success on oval racing, which is something that um, you've worked really hard at. Yes. You know yes. you weren't you Absolutely. weren't you weren't you were struggling on the ovals. And how did that happen? How did yeah. how did you get better as an oval racer? Yeah. When I uh, my first. Uh, Oval was actually in 06 at Milwaukee. It was just, I was racing Champ Car, which is uh, yeah. you know, what merged into IndyCar. Um, and, and they just had one oval race, short track race. Uh, yeah, enjoyed it a lot, loved it. Um, 07, I did no ovals. But 08, the two series merged back together and suddenly half the races were ovals. Um, but I actually didn't like the formula. The formula was really high downforce. So, You'd literally drive out of the pits on a mile and a half oval and you'd be wide open first lap on the white line all yeah. the way around. And it just didn't require require enough talent. Like it was kind of ridiculous. You guys know about it. I mean, you guys have the, the pack racing, um, you know, Talladega, Daytona. Yeah. Um, so it was like that every week, you know, apart from short ovals. So, but yeah, it, it still required a skill, where to run in the wake and how, how to run. I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, I just had a lot of bad luck and, and kind of lost some championships. The last four races were ovals. 
I'd have a big lead and I'd just lose it to, you know, I guess you could call it inexperience and lack of confidence. Um, but then <laughs> yeah. once they reduced the downforce, I really, really in, started to enjoy ovals and just experience. Um, and, and, you know, the last few years I've, I've done, I've, I felt, I feel confident going to any race now, whether it's oval or road course, that I have a shot to win. So, um, yeah, worked hard at it. Actually, love like ovals more than road courses now. Whoa! Actually, need to go back and start wow. working on some wow. street course stuff. But um, yeah, I look forward to ovals now. I really love. I wouldn't care if the whole series was ovals because uh, uh, I enjoy Damn. enjoy racing them so much. They're just so much fun. Um, just enjoyable. I understand what I need to get out of the car, how to drive them, all that stuff. Yeah. What led? Was there a was there a moment? Because I, I I'm I'm hearing you say that, and I'm and I'm thinking about him in road courses. He did not like going to Sonoma, did not like going to Watkins Glen. And, and his confidence and his attitude approaching each one of those, you could, he was already defeated. I mean, you, I'm saying stuff that yeah. you would admit, right, yeah. Dale? I mean, I'm not, I, I felt like you were defeated before we even got out there because, yeah. oh, Sonoma. All right, well, I'll get him next mm. week at wherever we're Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then all of a sudden, when Steve yeah. Letarte tried something, like, we're not going to test, we're not going to do anything, we're just going to go out there and just have fun. And all of a sudden, the light switched. Mm. It's like, you know, all of a sudden, not only is he performing better on road courses, but he was enjoying them. What's yeah. up with this? Like, what yeah. was, there a, was there a time I, when I, that flipped yeah. for you? I think what happens is you're not sure what you want from the car and you're not sure how to drive them. Or you have a, a lack of confidence. And I reckon that, I reckon when you go into something and that you're excited about um, and you really understand it, you're just so on top of it. But when you kind of feel like you don't understand it maybe you do maybe you're fine maybe everyone else is in the same boat um just that lack of confidence gives you that unsureness so you kind of back out of moves and you're just just not confident i think now when i go into an oval i'm so confident i know what to tell my engineer i know the adjustments i need to make in the car um you know i know how the car should feel that was a big thing for me is like should this thing feel so nervous all the time it was just so unnerving um, and the, you know, and you feel like you're a bad driver because you're you're scared to put lock in and all that. But that's actually because the car wasn't handling well. But I didn't know that it's sh- how a good car sh- should feel until you got one one day. Then you're like, oh my god, like this car's solid and I feel confident. So then you understand, you know, what to tell your engineer. I think that's like a big part of it is once you really know what you want from the car, how it should feel all times and the adjustments and the ideas that you can give to your engineer, you, you're starting to really get on top of it. Cause you know, oval race, I mean, you know, you'd know more than anyone. Like it's so much about getting the car right to, for you to, to be competitive. Like yeah. you really can't drive around a problem on an oval. You just sure simply can. can't. Yeah. Do you relate to any of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, that's my that's your yep. it's a NASCAR driver running overs every single week, single weekend. That's, that's really your career in a nutshell is going from, you go to every single racetrack throughout your career, not not really knowing exactly what you need or what's possible until you find that car. Yeah. Until you show up and wow, this is mm. the best car I've ever had here. Yeah. I didn't know I could have a car that could do this, that, and the other. And then you then you know to achieve yeah. or try to achieve that every time you go, and mm. you go you you don't feel bad asking for it. <laughs> yeah. Right. The more times it happens, the more times you get a good car, the more confident you are in how that feels and what you should say i mean it's just experience right like you just keep adding to your toolbox of experience of like how it should feel off the wall how it should feel in the middle how it should feel off i mean 
it's just it's just endless, right? Like yeah. I've never stopped learning. I never ever like I've been racing for twenty years now, and I have not stopped picking little things up constantly. I think the day you stop doing that, or you're you're willing to do that, you know, you shouldn't be racing. You talk about adding to your toolbox, and uh, one of those things that's new in the toolbox for a lot of drivers is social media. And you've been ramping up your yeah. social media, especially yeah. on Instagram, over the last six months. What's the thought process behind that? Uh, just random <laughs> stuff. Just I eating some. <laughs> I mean, serious. I just sometimes I just say what I think. I mean, I'm not doing. I just like some of my stories. Really, like the the uh, um, the Amazon one. I just was outside. I was like more boxes. Like more, I, I honestly look. I could live on 15 bucks a week. I don't spend any money. But every day, a bunch of Amazon boxes turn up at my doorstep. My wife moves me inside. I don't even know what's in them. I don't even know where they go. They just disappear, but it's every day. Every day. Even some stuff gets sent back. I mean, um, so yeah, I just did a story on that. It was like, you know, on Twitter, it got like 50,000 views. Yeah. It was really surprising. It really struck a nerve with people. I think, I think I, it's because it's relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Know? I think a lot of people have the same issue. It's with like, their wife. Yeah. The man. <laughs> like, yeah. I, seriously, the wife doesn't have to go to the bloody mall anymore. It's just like, <laughs> the mall is this, man. This, clicking a button. And the worst thing is you can send it back. So they just, they had, there's no, nothing holding them back from just buying that. <laughs> we send it straight back. Like, you know, we can get a refund. Sometimes box the 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 sent back pile piles right up and it's like are you gonna send that stuff back or what or is yeah. it just gonna stay there yeah I mean it's <laughs> that's funny crazy so, so look okay so you so so she has an Amazon Prime problem yeah uh, you no more than probably most people honestly but I'm not saying she's great honestly she is great <laughs> she's gonna that. kick my heart for saying that <laughs> yeah backtracking now but so she is she's great yeah we're not breaking news yeah, here yeah yeah no, I mean, no 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 <laughs> she's great it's 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 uh it's just amusing that so many people when I said it I, I I thought I was the only one that had the problem but I was at driver intros and, and Ryan Hunter Ray's like yeah man every day and then one of the other guys like yeah I just have boxes turn up all the time I was like oh yeah that's that's why it is story. Oh, yeah. I realize everyone has this issue. It's like well, this bloody boxes turning. To, to up. her defense, I'm sure she puts up with some obnoxious habit that you do that probably she doesn't oh, love. What is that? Multiple. I mean, I'm I'm just a pain in the ass. Really. How so? so? <laughs> yeah, it's just just in every way. She just. I mean, she cooks my meals. She does. She does everything. She's just a great support system. She's bought. She's made me better. There's no question. Like uh, a great wife. Great wife. Very passionate. You, you, I yeah. heard you have a karaoke machine in your kitchen. Yeah, I is that right? <laughs> why do you know about that? Why, why <laughs> kill my bloody wife, man? What the? Well, why? Why have it in your kitchen? I, I she. Uh, I think. I think I, I got that for a birthday or something, and I just set it up in the kitchen. And I got. I just. I'll sing karaoke every now and then. My kid. Like when I'm really out of tune, he puts his hands over his ears. That's kind of good, a good reference. But yeah. Well, how old's your kid? He's uh, two. And he can recognize bad singing already. I think he apparently. can. Like yeah. even when he was one, like I was singing, and he's just like, like he and he was looking sideways <laughs> at me. I got a really funny video of that. Uh, and my wife so wanted to put it on social media, but like, nah, you should have. The singing oh, is you so bad. Have, the singing is so bad. I still got. It. I could do it, but. Uh, just embarrassing for me because I really want to be a good singer, but I'm just not. Like, you do, so you don't karaoke outside the house? Definitely not. Really? No. Maybe I, I'll have to branch out. But what's your go-to song? Uh, I got a bunch of them. Is 
uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wow, uh, this is some challenging stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, Guns and Roses, yeah. Patience. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. Um, what else? Bit of uh, Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> that's tough, man. Like, right. yeah, it's not good. I'm not a good singer, but this it's, isn't. It's a good release. It's just just fun. You play the drums though. I do, and you think yeah. you're a good drummer. Reasonable. Yeah. Like, I can play some songs. Drumming yeah. for me, I used to play the drums years ago. It's not like riding a bike. It's more like playing golf, whereas if you don't do it and you try to go back to it years later, you have yeah. to relearn it all over again. Yeah. It's not yeah. a habit that you kind of – you don't yeah. you don't retain that muscle memory. And yeah. uh, so when I – I would I quit drumming because everywhere I went – not everywhere, but I would go places and people would go, get on the drums. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. Do you get yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, sometimes. Get on the drums. Do you get I'm, on the I'm, drums? I'm a bit more confident now to get on because I can play a few songs. Yeah, it's pretty easy for me now to pick up a beat. <laughs> you'll be confident until Kid Rock says you're an awful drummer. And then you'll yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wow. That, yeah, happened. that happened. Oh, oh that, that kills you, right? <laughs> yeah. Because oh, with drumming, like when you first learn, the better you get, the worse you realize you are. Like you get to a point where you're starting to think you're good and then then it's, you start to, you know, under, understand all the intricate little details to be a good drummer and then you realize how bad you are. Yeah. Like drumming is, man, it, it's tough. Like like you feel pretty good as soon as you get that, you know, that beat, that first beat. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm a good drummer. But yeah, right. Did, yeah, did Kid, Kid Rock, Rock bring you up during the I show? I stayed at Kid Rock's no. house, actually. Oh, okay, good. Really? Yeah, I was with Marco Andretti. I stayed there. and um, Marco knows everybody. He knows What's everyone. He? I'm like, dude, take me on vacation. No kidding. bloody... Uh, what's the ludicrous and ludicrous yeah. and, and uh, <laughs> Kevin uh, Hart? Kevin Hart. I was like, take me on vacation. Come on, my brother's a stand-up comedian. He would kill to meet uh, Kevin Hart. Yeah, like, Marco, give us hook us up. Give us some of your contacts. I'm with you. Well, <laughs> but I mean, like Marco's a friend of yours too. So like you, you. You've never been able to connect the dots with we, the Marco's buddy. He hadn't invited me on vacation yet. <laughs> I just don't know how. He, how does he meet these people? Like. And then, like, go, he must just text him and say, "That's hey guys." I went to his wedding. We, Ludacris was there. And, yeah, uh, who else Ludacris was, there? was at my thirtieth birthday party. Yeah, see, you, you're 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 amazed by this, and and you're you're basically repeating some things that have happened to Dale as well. That's I mean, true. Luda was at his thirtieth birthday yeah. party in Mooresville. No way. In Mooresville. In Mooresville. And he drove up from Atlanta because he doesn't serious? he doesn't like to fly. I guess. Wow. Well, wow. So he just drove up, hung just out, drove up, and hung out. No way. In some little seedy bar in Mooresville. Yeah. <laughs> just because you're friends with him? Or we had just... done a photo shoot together and just became friends. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I'm going to start taking But we're not vacationing. Yeah. We're not know. vacationing together. No, I, I haven't yeah. talked to him in years. Vacationing together. That's the next level. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm with you, man. I, I was at a. Yeah, I started. I, I tried to learn how to play the drums. Really, really love music, especially a lot of bands from Australia, like Silverchair, NXS. Oh, I play Silverchair. You know, um, you what? What's you play silver chair? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you said with. I no way. Um, That'd be cool. <laughs> another band that was one of my favorites is Midnight Oil. Oh yeah. Uh, and yeah, you yeah. know that former really? former HMS crew, crew chief uh, Keith Rodden looks just like the lead singer of Midnight Oil, <laughs> Peter, Peter Garrett. You have to you have to look at the comparison. Yeah, we do. I we used do. to call him Midnight Oil. That was his nickname for me. Anyways, he but, probably didn't get it either, did he? He didn't know. Yeah, he knew. Did he know? Yeah. Okay, good. But, <laughs> I, don't, I doubt you would have explained it to him. You did, I could see you going up to him and calling, hey, Midnight Oil, and then walking no, off. No, like we'd be in debriefs, and I'd go, what's up, Midnight Oil? How's, how's, your, how's the car? Casey, like the car? <laughs> Another good band you like is uh, uh, called uh, Grinspoon. Have you really? heard of Grinspoon? Good Aussie band. Yeah, really? Yeah, kind of like, I think you like it. Is that new? Like it. Is that... No, no, no. They're, from they're, the... they're 
man, they're probably oh, my. 90s band. Maybe. I got you. Yeah. What kind of music? Yeah, grungy. Grungy, yeah. Grungy type music, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, st- I learned the drums to uh, Stone Temple Pilots. I actually learned how to play the drums playing CCR, uh, Credence, because it's so simple, real easy tempo. Yeah. And uh, tried to get better from there, but then I had to. Yeah. I just quit. Man, I couldn't. Nirvana's good. Like, Nirvana's good. Uh, Dave Grohl is drum. like. Yeah. But they're, but they're easy to learn. Really? Yeah, they're not crazy, yeah. crazy hard. You know, like. Uh, uh, Do you, you post know. videos like Bubba Wallace about your drumming? You should. No, I haven't. I got some videos, but yeah, I haven't. I need to get like it all mic'd up and stuff so you can actually play over, camera over angles a song. And all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, not even the camera angles, but like <laughs> just so I could actually play. I don't know how he connects the music with the drums. You should like, talk he, to him. He must have a. You know, he lives up. in Mooresville where you live. Yeah, does he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well, I need to hook up with him. Yeah, I, I would. I. I need to hook up with some of these guys. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, yeah. He does. He shows off his he drum. Does. Yeah, he's yeah. a good drummer. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've watched him. Like, he's, 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 he's considered good. It. Yeah, he's, he's, he's good. Like, I've seen him play. He's like, yeah, pretty tight. Yeah. But drum off. I, I'm, I'm starting to feel a drum off between these two guys. Right? <laughs> See, that's it. There Everything's a competition. That's when it gets no fun. Not, not. Yeah, I know. Uh, then, then you're not enjoying that's it. That's when you're it's like, no fun. Oh, stop, Seriously. you guys. Come on. Oh, it's since you're not in the, since no. you don't have to be in the competition, it's okay. <laughs> right? Can it be I a drum fest? Drum God, I'm sick of that. Shit. Instead of a drum sick off. of that. Shit. Everything's a competition. <laughs> just because you're just like in... the shotgun and the beers this week. Everybody got to make it, it in the competition. It. He's insecure about something, and I knew it. It was the shotgunning of the beer. Shotgun and now of the beer. Well, Clint, comes shot, back to it. Clint shotgun a beer said I was. We were. Clint was on the show last week, and I was joking with him, saying yeah. we're going to shotgun beers, and we didn't. All right, it was. It's nine o'clock in the morning, and so he goes on vacation, <laughs> and he gets Larson's wife, and goes, "I found somebody man enough to shotgun a beer with me," and they shotgun one. He posts it on Twitter and gets fifteen thousand likes. And so I had to shotgun a beer then. So I go into my shop and found a Bud Budweiser and shotgunned it, and I shotgunned it in 10 seconds because I haven't shotgunned a beer in so long that I forgot you're supposed to do it fast. Shotgun a beer? Yeah, I, you I didn't even know. Poke what, a hole in oh, it. Oh, yeah. Right. So he does. And Clint's wasn't even full. You can tell that he had half full beer. <laughs> so he cheated. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You got to so, call him out on that. Right. And uh, yeah, I try to do something. I try to do something nice and and, sh- and or I try to just you know try to have it. fun with it. And have fun with it. it. Come to competition, just like everything else. That's that's one thing Travis Bean did. You know, like everyone's doing this, like they hit yeah hit no, the beer right? on the head. Like that's like Awful. he's he yeah. had like I can't tell you how many goes he was trying to do that while wake surfing. Oh, on the boats, he's got the beer. Bah, 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 bah. It won't break. <laughs> like gosh, I'm like dude, come on, don't yeah. you know like. He's gonna get CTE like, doing that. like <laughs> trying to trying just to get a viral video. Sure, like, some of the some of the crap people do these days to to Crunch get some on attention babies. on bloody social media has right. created some really. Do, do you get uh, do you get uh, social media trolls going at you at all for anything like he would have like if it's a shotgunning a beer or whatever it is? I mean, and how do you deal with uh, social media trolls? Trolls, or haters. So, haters. Yeah, yeah, you won't find that much on Instagram. But you, are you on yeah, Twitter much? Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, I used to get like pounded, man. Like back in the day when I was racing Dario, like oh, you really? just know, like it actually has turned people into more computer robots when they do interviews. Because if you do an interview from the heart and you actually, you know, and you're a bit pissed off and you say something, you just get pounded by people and people are so brave when they're sitting behind a bloody keyboard the stuff people say on twitter on social media just blows me away yeah. like it's just like dude 
you would never say that to my face. Not, no, like just, not with your yeah, upbringing. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> from the one, the one punch rule doesn't is, isn't isn't over here in the U.S. You're allowed to one punch. You're allowed to go behind somebody and just Mike, whack them. Yeah, you, you have the pictures uh, on your on your phone. Show him. This is incredible. The group by me. the way, because he knows Matt yeah. Midnight Oil and the lead singer. There you go. So yeah, there's the oh, old crew chief. That's not. That's it's like they're brothers. That is. You see not. the two. Oh, sorry. I was looking at Peter Garrett. Yeah, I was so like, I thought well, that look was at the second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is oh, it yeah. Not similar? Yeah, yeah, that is similar, fun. man. Yeah, that's very similar. Peter, the Midnight Oil was awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. oh, good. So, yeah. somebody. <laughs> so another 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 quirk of yours is that you can bank sleep. Explain to me mm. what banking sleep is. Right. You've been speaking to Jenna Fryer. <laughs> right. We don't reveal. We don't yeah. reveal our sources. Yeah. No. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I, I used, bank, I used, yeah, like, you I think know. I, could, I, I tried, I, th- I had, I don't believe it anymore, but I believe this years ago. So I want you yeah. to explain what that is. Well, yeah, I, I find like when you have like a week of really big sleeps, you kind of, I feel like you've banked it. Like you can have a, then you can have a couple of sleepless nights on a race weekend and be kind of okay. But if you have a bunch of sleepless nights, it really catches up to you. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's how I feel. But sometimes just one big sleep fixes it all. You know what I mean? Sure. One deep sleep. Like you'd rather have one like four hours of deep sleep than eight hours of restless sleep. But you're thinking that if you say if you need eight hours, all right, every night, just say for for a number. And if you slept 12, 12, and 12, you don't need to sleep as much throughout the weekend? Yes. If you sleep as I, if you I, sleep more I do in the feel, front yeah, half yeah, of the yeah, week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, you think built this, up kind of like... Yeah, that's what I feel. I, I reason I think that is because when you have like, I used to have race weekends and no sleep, and ah, oh, so exhausted by then. It took and it take you a few days to catch back up on the sleep. So it works the other way as well. If you get a lot of sleep, then you can have a few sleepless nights and be fine. Yeah, it's so weird. Some race weekends where literally before qualifying, I would not sleep. Like I would not sleep. And I get up, and then you qualify on pole. Oh, I've had that at Pocono a couple of years ago. I did not sleep the whole night. Why not? Just didn't. I couldn't sleep. I was just wound up. I couldn't sleep. You know, it's nervous kind of, about qualifying. Yeah, it's just a bit of a you know, Pocono is Pocono's a tough, treacherous, dangerous track. And uh, didn't sleep. Super anxious getting in the car. Like almost like I don't even want to race. I don't want to get in this car and I go out and win. It just blows me away that you can have that. So you think about like, and then some days you have the best sleep, totally relaxed, calm, laughing before you get in the car and you have a horrible race. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Yeah. Like why are you just more prepared, your body more prepared, your mind more prepared when you're, you're kind of nervous and, and you're really thinking about it all night. Um, yeah. There's no pattern to it. I don't get like why for a lot of my career, I would not sleep the night before qualifying. I'd be so wound up. I always felt like I raced better if I partied hard at some point in the week. Like yeah. if I had a good hard party, like a good night not, of staying up late, drinking. Yeah, like on a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, if I raised hell real hard, I ran better on the weekend just because I had this sort of got it all out of my system. And if I didn't, if I had to do appearances all week and was bottled up, yeah. and couldn't kind of blow any steam off, I, had a, I didn't run as well. You reckon like, Parting kind of was almost like a mind a reset. Yeah, you know, like kind of just loosen me up. I've had that before. Like you, you know, been stressed out, then you go out, party all night, 
it's almost like a reset in your mind or something. I don't know if you just forget about yeah. everything and... I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the Surgeon General is recommending this type of behavior for race <laughs> yeah. car drivers, but I'm just saying that I, it worked for him. Yeah. <laughs> I, just I, can't bl- I can't say I've ever done that. Like, seriously, I'll go a whole season without drinking. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. I just won't, won't drink. I thought I, I was doing out. really good by yeah. not drinking beyond Thursday or beyond Wednesday. Yeah, never in a million years have I – I just had, I've never done that in my career. I've been so, like, uh, focused that I just – and, I, if, and if it was anything that I felt that might hinder my performance, I just wouldn't do it. What do you like to drink? If I drink, um, I drink, yeah, beer. So what's yeah, that first forks. beer like after the end of the season? <laughs> that must be the greatest beer yeah, ever. Yeah, He's out. out. He, gets out. Long, he gets gone. that long. He gets that 12-hour sleep. He Seriously, like we get champagne on the podium one sip, and I'm just like out like in the press conference. I, actually, when I won in uh, Fontana one year, the, the sponsor was Fuzzy's Vodka. So instead of getting champagne, oh, you got no. like fuzzy vodka. I wow. took a bunch of swigs of that. And when I got to the press conference, man, I was beaming. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm, yeah, I'm super dehydrated right. and I don't drink much. Yeah, and your tolerance yeah, is way down. You, yeah. you drank at least one beer after the Indy 500 win, right? I drank nothing. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. Just milk. Yeah, just the milk. That was it. That was it. Like. Um, yeah, probably in the past I would, but since I had that, uh, you know, a bit of fatigue and a few aller- yeah. uh, food allergy issues, I just didn't drink. I was trying to look after my body. You know, you get later in your career, you want to make it last as long as possible, and you know when you go out, like it takes a it takes a chunk out of you. Yeah. You know, like you, you don't want to you want to prolong it. You, know, you can drink as much as you want when you're done, but <laughs> while you're doing it, you want to get as much out of it as possible. You Talk wanna- about taking care of your body. You've broke. This is crazy. You broke your back twice, not only once, yeah. but twice in oh, your career. Yeah. I've like Bet compression fractured the right. the T uh, uh, four five like four times. Gosh, four geez. times. So like, what's what? And how do you how do you mentally come back mm-hmm. from the second time? I mean, the yeah. first time, okay, I broke my back. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to come yeah. back. That's the, reasonable the, the thought first, process. The, the first but, time was terrible, like a bad, like a nasty, nasty, like it was actually broken. Yeah, but you break it and, a second time. That should yeah. have been – a lot of people would have said, I, I'm enough, not doing yeah. this no more enough. Yeah, yeah. But, well, the second time was a compression fracture. Like the compression fracture up high uh, was nowhere near as bad as when, when you did the L – you know, two, three, and four, like that was just the most nasty pain I've ever felt in my life. Like it was next level. Yeah, you know, I was just asking while I'm in the car, just give me something for the pain. I was shooting uh, uh, morphine up my nose, did nothing. Then they injected me with something once I got to the medical center and just went from the worst pain ever to Out no cold. pain, yeah. zero pain. <laughs> I did was you, like, yeah, I think that's a hell. good that's question a- because. You know, the mental Olympics that, se- that you seem to deal with, even just on a normal weekend, I mean, like you've said a lot, confidence and confidence was your issue. And to have that kind of back pain and those types of injuries, I, like it's a wonder that you were able to regain your confidence yeah. in yourself and in your driving ability because it, it would be hard to let your brain forget about the possibility of, of mm-hmm. injuring your back again, I would think. And that's true. Like when you come back for the first time, all I, all I thought was what if I'm not f- as fast as I was? I was so just caught up in being as good as I was after I, I crashed. Is it going to affect me? Will I be as good as I was? Like, uh, you know, that, was, that caused me a lot of anxiety, like a lot. Like well, I remember the first race back, I was so paranoid, but I won it. And uh, really like such a... Rel- a, a relief but yeah i mean you know you got to switch that stuff off 
you know, you, you have some injuries, you have some pretty big hits in IndyCar, um, you know, you see stars and maybe get a concussion, but you have to, you can't be thinking that stuff going in the car. You know, I've been through all that stuff. I mean, you just can't. It's got to switch off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you got that in the back of your mind. You got that in your subconscious. You kind of bringing more of that on. I think. Yeah, I think yeah. if you have that thought process, if you're worried about getting hurt, you're bringing that into your yeah. life. Law of attraction yes. kind of thing. Yeah, I, I feel that. I yeah. went through that, uh, and I feel. I was just watching your career from the outside. I feel like you may have gone through a period like that too. Like oh, yeah. you're scared of hitting the wall mm. because you've had too many head hits and that sort of stuff. And you have more of it. Yeah. But when you just get in an attack and you think nothing of it, nothing you don't think anything about crashing or anything. All you're thinking about is performance and, and getting the guy in front. Um, you 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 don't hit the wall. Like you go a whole season, you won't hit the bloody wall. Yeah. Like it used to drive me nuts. Like, why do I hit the wall? You know, every year I have a shunt somewhere. Uh, you know, and you see some of these guys who never crash. It just blows my mind. But it's it's gotta be a mindset. It's gotta be that. Because you're trying not to hit the wall, you're hitting the wall. Yeah, mm. yeah. You know, uh, do you know that he has uh, uh, one of your noses in his race yeah, car? Yeah, he's got Did that, you know that Vegas one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the top. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah. I called. Um, yeah. I've got this race car graveyard that we've kind of collected all kinds of stuff over the years, just different. But it's all NASCAR race cars and trucks and stuff. No Indy cars, nothing really outside of that. Until I called Brad Keselowski and I said, "Hey." Um, I think somebody on Twitter asked me if I had an Indy car, and I called Brad on a whim, and I was like, uh, you know, uh, do you think there's any Indy cars? That, like, how, how hard would it be to get? I'm thinking these things are just expensive, and there's no way in hell I'm going to get a tub or anything sent yeah. to me. Uh, but they did. They sent me. Yeah. Um, the, there's a bunch of tubs lying around. Yeah, really. But that you got the the one from that, that uh, Vegas. Yeah. That 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 tub has won a lot of races. Really? Yeah, that one. That one for sure. Because that was my 2011 car. I won six races that year. Um, so that I'm would have sure, been the same tub every I'm race. I'm sure that tub. Um, it wouldn't have been the same every race. I'm pretty sure they would have had a, a road course and an oval okay. car. Um, that that would have been the oval car, uh, so maybe it didn't win. <laughs> so, I, don't know. I have to see the number. I mean, they'd have the records of that. But yeah, yeah. My yeah. mom, my mom was uh, walking through the graveyard. We've got these trails this. back there, and she's walking through the graveyard, and she's uh, text me. She's like. The bobsled. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, it's not a bobsled. <laughs> That's what, yeah, a tub just looks like a bloody I know. bobsled, doesn't it? Yeah, when it came to it's me, I'm nothing. like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take yeah. whatever I can get. But it was literally just the driver's they, seat. They should have they should have given you the bloody, like a... It was basically just that and the yeah. engine, right? They got, yeah. Well, it did, what did you, what did you get, just a tub or you I got an engine from as well? The, no. From the seat forward. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they should have given you. Yeah, they should have given you a roll of gearbox and everything. Oh man, cool. Well, I took the tub and stuck it in the Y of a tree. It's like yeah. 15 feet in the air. Yeah, yeah. I th think I've seen a picture of it. It's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, for and that. since yeah. we yeah. know it hurt, but, but, but thank well, you. since it hurt, well, that was a broken bat. That, that one, the, that yeah. was a that compression was, fracture right there. Yeah. yeah, the bottom of that. Yeah, that was a uh, that was kind of the start of actually gave me the idea. Like, yeah, I I should have different. I think we're getting a drag dragster. Uh, here in a couple of weeks. Oh, I've heard about oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah the make, funny car body. Yeah. Who's, who's, uh, Tommy Johnson. Yeah, Jr. Tommy Johnson from yeah, the Make a Wish car. Funny car yeah. He had He's one explode, and so they're sending the body down here. Yeah. Um, and we got a land speed record car in the woods. I have yet to see it, but there's a land speed record car in the woods. I, that's all I can tell you. But 
It's got the dome wheels and the, you know. And no all that. way. Yeah. See, doesn't doesn't Mooresville feel like just Australia of the West, where you just put wrecked race cars in woods and just show them off yeah, like seriously, that? Seriously, man. It's just what you came from. This is like a small <laughs> town feel. Like this, I love this area. Yeah. It really is. Like it's it's got a small town feel. It's a real racing town. Um, but it's not like a, you know, it's a racing town that's kind of like grassroots racing feel. Well, you yeah. stay here when your when your career's over. I probably will, unless I have uh, the only other place I'd live is Indianapolis. Oh, if I was going to move, just because of opportunities up there, you know, as far as work after racing, but most probably stay here. Yeah. We'll see. You know, yeah, once you know, I probably plan on having a couple of kids uh, by that time, um, and they're probably going to school here and have friends and all that. So it'd be a lot, a lot to harder move, to yeah. get up and move. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. We've had a lot of absolutely. time. Absolutely. We've had a yeah. lot of fun talking to you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I can't wait to get to Indy. And I, you know, I've got a couple friends there, but now I got one more. Yeah. And um, hopefully, see you around town. I know you're not yeah. big time friends with a lot of race car drivers, but I quit, yeah. so I'm not necessarily racing. Oh no, no, no. So he doesn't I'm, have I'm, any friends. Not, anyone either, I so. compete against. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not like I don't dislike that. I just I'm just like, messing with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. No. But we'll we'll get out on the bike or something, man. Yeah. Do yeah. Something. Let me know, man. I I would love to. Yeah, I'm always always out there doing. Uh, I have I have to keep bloody fit. So yeah, um, yeah. And thanks for having me on. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks. I really appreciate it. It's uh, really cool to finally meet you and um, have a great chat. Yeah, absolutely, man. Take care. Cheers. Mike, there's a lot of great places to buy stuff online. Cool stuff. We won't name them. Nowhere as cool as Pristine Auction, though. PristineAuction.com. It's an online sports auction website where you can bid and win some incredible items. Mike. <laughs> They got some sports memorabilia. That's right. You like sports memorabilia. Only when it's pronounced properly. (laughs) (laughs) I think I just did it twice. And that's why I love it. There's daily auctions. You don't have to wait around for multiple days to bid and win, which I love. There's also a 10-minute auction, fast-paced, rapid-fire. Everything that's on Pristine is authentic. Authenticity guaranteed. I've signed for Pristine, so I know that every autograph sold sold of me on there is the real deal. That's the best part about it. But yet, there's another good part. It's affordable. Every auction on Pristine starts at one buck, one dollar. That's, That's the right. start for every auction. Before the show, the guys spotted a unique, listen to this one, 13 and a half by 21 and a half inch <laughs> custom matted lithograph. What in the hell is that? Of Bobby Labonte for only $5.25. This is the number 18 Interstate Batteries Pontiac, a lithograph. <laughs> That <laughs> is 13 and a half by 21 and a half, yeah. by all means. It's better than 8 by 10. All right. Go to pristineauction.com now. You'll be hooked. It's free to register, free to bid. And, of course, you only pay for the items you win. That's Pristine Auction, spelled P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. And when you register, be sure to select Dale Jr. Download Podcast from the drop-down menu. Dale Jr. Download Podcast from the drop-down menu. I really need you to try to do that. In the how did you hear about us section. That lets them know that we sent you. Pristine. Guys, we're getting ready to uh, talk about something that I'm freaking excited about. This and and for our listeners uh, back at uh, wherever you're at, you're gonna have to <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to use your imagination. All right, I'm gonna talk about some photos. You can't see them, but we'll try to do our best to help you guys understand what we're talking about. But uh, there's this car. All right, my dad drove a car in the Xfinity series in the mid '80s. And Mike, you got some stats on this car. 
I mean, this car that your dad drove six total wins, two at Rockingham, two at Darlington, one at Charlotte, one at Daytona, built in 1984, ran about three or four years, or at least of winning races. I mean, this thing was successful. Odell Earnhardt could get around in old black eight, in that number eight Goodwrench car. Okay, so this was originally a Pontiac Ventura. Oh, okay. After a few races uh, or a year or two of racing that way, it was transferred. They cut the nose off the car and made it a Nova, okay? And I've seen this car, uh, it's an old Bush car, and I've seen it pop up over the last 15 years. Uh, it's been to Monterey, it's been to all, it's been raced as an, a vintage racer for many, many years. It's been over to Goodwood. Goodwood, yeah, it's been to Goodwood twice. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. It's been to Goodwood twice. And I've seen this car over and over and over. I've never seen it in person. And I've always wondered, is it the real car, mm. right? Uh, they're claiming it's the real car, but how do you know? How do you know this is a real car? Well, obviously the car came up uh, for sale recently at Barrett-Jackson. Uh, Barrett I'm getting all kinds of text messages from everybody, even my sister, and talking about, man, you've seen this car, you've seen this car. And I had, um, I mean, it pops up on my social media timelines, and I'm thinking, wow, man, this thing is getting around. Um, and I wonder why, of course, it won't. It, it's getting sold. And we've seen uh, in the past, especially recently, a lot of dad's cars and my cars going on auction. Right. Some real, some not real. Some yeah. not real. All right? And it's pretty easy, uh, to be honest with you, to know what's real and what's not. But even, uh, you know, and, and I guess the, the line or the history with this car uh, going into the Barrett-Jackson auction was that my uncle on my mom's side, Robert G. Jr., had verified that this car was legit. He had this car. Uh, this car was brought up to Robert G. Jr. to be looked at. And the reason why they would take it to him is because he put the body on the car. Yeah, All right. And he did several things on the car uh, and would go to the racetrack with the team as well. I've got him at the racetrack in a photo with the rest of the team standing next to this car. And so Robert G. Jr., uh, who, I'm, who works here at Junior Motorsports, uh, has uh, worked on this car, put the body on it. So I asked him, I said, Robert. Is this the car? He goes, yeah, it is. I'm pretty confident this is the car. I said, well, this car is probably going to go for $150,000. Are you $150,000 confident <laughs> that you're that this is the car? And he goes, I'm pretty sure. Uh -uh. <laughs> no, and no, no. I need more than that. I'm yeah. like, I, well, what is it? You know, I mean, he, he saw this car. They brought it up to him, but it was in the late 90s when he saw this car. And I'm like, well, man, what if it's not that car? And he goes, well, if it's the car I saw in the 90s, you... You're, it's the real car, and I'm like, how do you know? Okay, because you've did the body of. Sh you could look at the body. Can't you look at the body, Robert Jr. and say that's my work? And he goes, well, no, really. The 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 thing that I saw on it was uh, the drive shaft hoop. Okay, so it has a drive shaft hoop at the back toward the rear end housing to keep if the drive shaft comes loose or the yoke breaks to keep the drive shaft from tearing the rear end or tearing the sheet metal out of the car and hitting the driver. Um, <clears throat> And he said, my, he watched my dad make that loop, and it's a it's unique because dad made it, and the way it was made, uh, the way dad chose to make it, he he heated it up uh, with a settling torch, and wrapped this thing around an oxygen tank, which is quite dangerous, uh, and made it himself right there in front of Robert in the shop, and. Robert says, I saw that drive shaft hoop on that car. Well, I'm thinking, well, hell, you could put that drive shaft hoop on any car and say it's the car. That, you know, it still doesn't mean that it's the car. How do I know? I need markings. Like, is it, did you see anything in the body 
that that was original to your work because he was the body man. Right. Did you put Uncle Robert was here? <clears throat> right. Uh, on, you know, somewhere etched on inside I, of the sheet metal. People yeah. do stuff like that. Yeah. He yeah. couldn't give me enough confirmation to make me completely sure that I was this was the real car. I got some encouragement uh, within my family uh, that I should purchase this car. Um, I called Tony Sr. and I talked to him about it. What I, I, I kind of swung for the fences. I mm. called Rick Hendrick. I said, Rick, you're at, you're at, uh, you're at the, the auction, uh, and he's going to bid on some cars. I said, I got one I need you to get for me if you can. And he goes, sure. And I said, it's probably going to go for $150. Uh, but if, it goes, uh, if it's under 200 try to stay in the fight. And so we got the car. For 190, all right. They bring it back to the house. He, he, you know, they ship it all the way up here. On uh, Rick's guys brought it to us. Unload the car. I have been climbing all over this car. <laughs> all right, as you should. Trying to find some identification, right? Something, anything that would make me feel confident, 100% that this was the car. All right, and I. You know, there's there's the floorboard of the car, and I'm going to send you guys a quick yeah, picture. My dad would take the floorboard of the car, and he would beat it down with a ball-peen hammer to get his seat low. Okay, When you get the car, you put the seat in, a lot of guys would go, okay, it's against the floorboard, as low as it's going to go. Well, Dad wanted to be lower. That wasn't low enough. Wow. He would get in the car and with a hammer, seat out of the car, get in the car with a hammer, and beat the floor down. All as much as he needed to, all right, to uh, get the seat as low as possible. So I sent you guys a photo, and you can oh, see right there. You can see the gosh. hammer marks. You can see the ball peen hammer marks in the <laughs> bottom of the car. This picture is taken from underneath the car, uh, and you can see this. Uh, it's obviously been hammered oh, yeah. down a ton all the way across the back uh, to get this back of the seat lower and get <laughs> him, bad. get that's dad awesome. to where he can sit lower. So okay, all right, that still doesn't say. This is the car. Any who who uh, somebody else could have beat their seat uh, down. I don't know. Uh, that's a very Earnhardt thing there. It's a very Earnhardt thing, but it isn't. And I I can't I can't find another picture of the car from 1986 of the bottom showing this exact same uh, hammer marks. So that doesn't that doesn't uh, do it for me. Okay. All right. I'm the one that has spent the money. I need more. All right. All right. So I was I got this photo stream on my phone. With over a thousand photos, thousands of photos of my dad's career at many, many points, 70s, uh, 80s, photos that are rare, hard to find. And there's a couple photos of me uh, that I've collected as well. And here is one of me in 1986. I'm sitting in the car. All right. I'm sending that to you. And that gives me a view of the driver's window. <laughs> All right. (laughs) And some of the interior of the car, as far as the rear sheet metal in the back interior of the car, the roll cage. One of the things that I look at in this photo is how they hooked up the window net at the top of the window. Back then, everybody would have done that differently. A car didn't come. When you put the body on, you made that yourself, how you were going to hook up the window net. And so when you see those... Uh, mounts they're unique to the car and i would look at those mounts and go well that's exactly like the mounts on my car so that's pretty that's a pretty good confirmation but still eh, still wow. not still not a ni- still that's a 99 percent maybe or 95 percent sure that this is the car somebody could have copied that or, or somebody could have done that on another car and then i found this photo same day 
me sitting in the car at some racetrack in the garage from the passenger window. Mm. All right. Look at this. Okay. Oh, and so wow. this is a picture of me in the car, and I can see the seat, the seat belts, the steering wheel, the steering shaft, uh, the, the, the dashboard. And if you draw in, look closely at the above the steering shaft, there is mm-hmm. a radio box. Yep. All right. Yeah, I see it. And it's riveted to a roll bar. That's right. With two rivets. A-post. And then to a sheet, piece of sheet metal by two rivets as well. And if you look, it's kind of cocked mm-hmm. counterclockwise just slightly. Yep. All right. It's not level with the roll cage of the car. All right. So I go into the car quickly. With my camera, I'm standing ne- when I'm looking at this picture. I'm standing next to the car, and I dive in that car with my, with my camera. All right, and I take a picture. I sent it to you of the car today. Oh my goodness! There's oh, the rivet and holes, and there's the uh, yeah, and the are. fact that it's off angle. There's the rivet holes, and there's the there's the they're off angle. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. That's, that's it. awesome. I don't need anything else. No, no. That to me locks it down. Yep. That I'm holding the real thing. That's a hundred fifty thousand dollar guarantee. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now. I ran back up to the house to tell Amy. I was almost in tears, getting that type of confirmation. That's awesome. Uh, that I'm that I have the car, and um, I, you know, I'm, I've, I was calling my sister. I was calling Rick. Uh, I called R- Robert Jr. I call. I text Tony Senior. I'm, I'm telling everyone like I got it. I got what I needed. And I, I really do have this car. Why why is this? I mean, any any car that my dad drove, of course, would be important to me. But this one in particular is important because this car was built in the shop next to Mamaw's house. What? Yes. Is that right? Yes. I guess, yeah. yeah. I mean, that this is predates any of the oh, stuff yeah. at DEI. This was before DEI. So this was built in that shop behind Mamaw's house. And Dad, I would beg Dad to take me when he would go to the, He went to that shop every single day of the week before he would, you know, then he'd go to the race. Uh, but he was there working on his cars and, and hanging around. And I begged to go. We ate Whataburger for lunch every day. I mean, it was just so fun. Mm-hmm. And I climbed all over this car and all over that shop. I mean, it wasn't but two bays. But I remember I've taken pictures with this car. Obviously, I got pictures of me in the car, uh, hanging out, playing around. Um, it just means so much to me to have it. And so I got a, I made a long list of things that I ex- I'm excited to do to the car. I've got a sort of a a little I'm not going to really g- do a frame off restoration on the car. I want to drive it. I want to I don't want to worry about I'm not going to race it obviously. But I want to I'm not I don't want to worry about the thing getting nicks and scratches and dirt. So I'm not going to yeah. do a complete frame off restoration. I am going to take it apart, make sure everything works right, but it needs a proper seat. I want to get a time period correct seat, time period correct steering wheel fire bottle it's got a lot of stuff on it that doesn't need to be on it because it was raced in the vintage series so like it's got a brake oh, light in the back right. it's got rear it's got a real glass in the back glass that would have been lexan i got to put a lexan glass in that back there i'm gonna re i'm gonna sand the body and 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 clean the body up and repaint it re- you can have g uh, help you with some of that and make I, it even more yeah, I, that'd be cool he me and him spent a lot of time climbing all over the car climbing underneath it over the last couple of days and I asked him a few times if he had one more restoration in him, and he hasn't answered me yet. But <laughs> oh, he needs to do it. He'll be involved, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I love it, man. I'm so proud that I got. I can't believe uh, that's incredible that it, that I have it. I have that car, and uh, obviously we've talked about it—the 1980 Cup Series Championship car. 
championship winning car and uh just to have anything like that i when dad died i got a pair of boots um you know that were his and i so since then i've been collecting more and more items that belong to him and that's been my own anything that i've gotten was either given to me by someone nice enough to give it to me or by something i've collected or tracked down myself so um i'm so uh i'm thrilled that is incredible now what was robert g emotions like when you or when you guys were going through it did he have any because he's kind of a rough and gruff guy well i was still i was still beating on him going man you do you see anything here that can confirm it do you do you see like can you can you so this was before that realization yeah oh i just did this this realization literally happened yesterday wow okay i've had the car for four or five days looking all over it and i finally went through that i was looking at this photo stream going i gotta have more pictures of that car and there, and I was like, "Here's perfect interior photo." Yeah. And uh, oh man, and I was looking at that picture of the of me sitting in the car, and LW was with me, my sis, my sister's uh, husband, and he goes, "Hey, look at that! Look at that uh, radio box. They just mounted it like that's weird." <laughs> and then we went to the next thing. You know, we're looking else, elsewhere for some identification. We didn't even think about the radio box and the way it's mounted in the rear holes. And then I was back. I went down there and looked at the car, and I'm looking at these pictures, and I went, "Oh crap." The radio box, the holes. That's it. Dove right in there head first, and there they were. That's amazing. So, but, so happy. So, so the funny thing is, is because this car, so Dad had this car, and I guess when he was done racing with it, he sold it. Just sold it. He sold it. They had a sportsman series that ran at Charlotte, and they ran these cars. And this car went and had another life. It raced in the sportsman series. It got, and it survived. Oh, well, it wrecked hard oh, a few okay. times in the sportsman series. The rear clip's not original. Uh, I don't know if the front clip's original either, but... Um, I know the rear clip's not original. The rear sheet metal, though, is original. And they would they cut the clip out from under it and leave the sheet metal and just straighten it out and put the, put a new clip under it and tack the tack this old sheet. Interior this, tin, yeah. Yeah, the interior tin's all tacked up and and wow. had and it's 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 been it's had a clip or two underneath it. And so they had to run a, they had to run a quick change rear end housing in the Sportsman series. And so they gutted they they hack jobbed the sheet metal in the trunk so that the back of that quick change could clear into the sheet metal of the trunk series or the trunk area so this is there's this weird random box kind of sitting in the trunk of sheet metal so the quick change doesn't crash into the to the rear original sheet metal um little things like that tell the story of this car and where it went and what it did uh eventually this this the guy that that sold it at auction uh had the car restored twice he restored it in the late 90s when he brought it to my Uncle Robert uh, to get verified. He, he took the car and ran it in vintage racing for a long time. It went over to Goodwood twice, uh, Festival Speed, uh, all kinds of different places, and then was restored once more in 2013. Uh, just It's just unbelievable that it's still... So when I was looking, if uh, I'll show you this picture of the car. One of the things that we were doing was... The windshield straps, okay. There's these little, there's these little clips that hold the windshield in. If you look at any race car, mm-hmm. and little, little tabs. Yeah, zoom in on this picture uh, of Dad at Darlington in the winter circle. It's the front of the car, him sitting in the front of the car, and look at the windshield. And it's got these four black yep. tabs across the top. Yeah, uh-huh. and they and aren't down there. The side. Yeah, there's a couple down the side. The tabs aren't there on the car currently, but when I feel underneath in the roof, the 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 holes in the the 
nut fasteners are there in the sheet metal for those tabs. So, so yeah. they just bondoed over it when they, when they were, you know, when they re- renovated the car for the first time, rest- restored the car for the first time. They never put the tabs back on; just bondoed over it. Uh, the car has not. The car has some incorrect decals on it currently. The numbers are white. They were never white. Uh, from I'm looking it, at the diecast of it right here. Yeah, the, I, that's yeah. So the diecast came with it. That was nice of them to give me the oh, diecast. Wow, that's yeah. All for you know 190. I mean, that's at least they can do. With it. <laughs> you can't. I'm telling you. I know it's a lot of money. Uh, that's worth it. You can't put a price on it. Uh, but I got a little a little bit of a list of restoration stuff that I'm gonna do to it, and it's gonna. And I would hope that one day when I'm finished with it, that I can drive it at a racetrack. Uh, maybe a throwback weekend at Darlington if that's still going Ooh. on. Uh, take it over there and let people take a look at it and enjoy it. Um, so that's yeah, that's what I've been doing. What you guys been doing this week? Not that. <laughs> Didn't do that. That's badass. I am impressed. I saw you post this picture on social media, and when I saw that it was in your shop, yeah, I was like, "What?" Because <laughs> that car is so badass. It is so cool, and and I don't have the. I didn't have the history and the knowledge of, of all that he accomplished in that car. But, you know, I knew he did. And if he had it in his shop, I knew it was special. And I couldn't wait to hear the story about yeah. how he got it. I've always, loved the, the, I've always loved that car because I've loved those years, Nova, Novas. Yep. And then, you know, my best friend uh, there, Mike Herman Jr., um, his, his dad kind of helped every once in a while in that pit crew there on that car. So Herm has such an admiration for that car that I've grown to like that car so much. So when I saw that, I got geeked up. It, it looks like the gray ghost. I mean, it's got that, that black and the silver, um, but that Nova body is just no, no, so I, cool. I, I know it's not it's the so same cool. car. I'm just saying the paint so scheme cool. on it, that good wrench. It's, it's also kind of cool just seeing the black good wrench paint scheme without a three on it. I mean, this is just so cool that, to see the number eight. So. Plus I always thought the Ventura and the Nova were different cars. I didn't know it was, you know, you thought they were different off. chassis I, yeah, entirely. Yeah, I, I didn't know if it was the same car. I yeah. didn't know that. So you look that's at cool. the side. Well, the way you know that is looking at the side windows. They post the B post, and the uh-huh. side windows are identical, and and it just put a different nose on it okay. and called it a Nova, <laughs> even though it had like a maybe a Pontiac side window. I still. guess you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess neat, a Pontiac and the Nova. They're like sister cars. Had yeah. Similar side windows, yeah. probably. Hell, really freaking cool. It is cool because if if that turned out to be not real, I don't know that he was going to be able to be. Uh, a, 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 we would have a working relationship with Dell Jr. moving <laughs> forward. He would be a, a down puppy. He would yeah. be, he yeah. would be dejected. What year Nova? Like the body? 77, 78. Okay. The 78 was my first car. Yeah. 70, you know. Yeah, crazy, man. Well, congratulations Thank on that. Thank you so much. That's, That's really cool. cool. That's awesome. Nobody could top that. All right. We got some new partners here to Dale Jr. Download, Mike. Let's hear about it. DoorDash. DoorDash. Yeah, let me oh. tell you about that, man. You, you at work, man. Day's getting long. Getting a little hungry. <laughs> Tough day at school, maybe. Yeah. Stuck at the office late. Yeah. Well, you can treat yourself to a meal you deserve on demand from your favorite restaurant. Restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Ordering is easy. Just use the DoorDash app and choose what you want to eat, and your dasher will bring it right to you wherever you're at. Mm. Not only is that burger place you love on DoorDash already, but over thir- 310,000 other amazing restaurants are too. DoorDash connects you with door-to-door delivery in over 3,300 cities. and all 50 states around the United States and Canada. You know them Canadians, man. They're always left out of the auctions and stuff we do around here. But not DoorDash. Not DoorDash. (laughs) They're in the (laughs) cities. That's a special city. Right now, listeners can get $5 off their first order of 
$15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code DALEJUNIOR. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code DALEJUNIOR. Again, that's promo code DALEJUNIOR for $5 off of your first order from DoorDash. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. And guess what? After the podcast, I already have it downloaded, and I am ready to save my $5. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) You better be ordering 15 or more, though. Not damn $10 meal. Depends on if she's going to eat. Are you having dinner? Yeah, heck yeah, always. Well, then it's going to easily be 15 I don't miss a meal. (laughs) Hey, everybody. It's Dale Jr. for the Dale Jr. Download live on Ask Jr. presented by Nationwide. Hopefully, these are some great questions we can add to the rest of the show. So, uh, let's get started, Leah. All right. First question's from Amanda. What was your favorite cartoon as a kid? Uh, man. Tom and Jerry was pretty good. And uh, um, Looney Tunes, man. I mean, Looney Tunes was always nice. I don't know. Did anybody have any... Uh, Transformers. Tra- oh, Transformers. That's weird. Oh, Transformers kind Transformers. of... Transformers. That was later. It's kind of dark. It doesn't a, matter about the time. Ma- maybe for you, but Cur- it wasn't courageous, for me. <laughs> courageous Cat, Minute Mouse. No. No? You don't remember that? I Mighty Mouse. Lo- I was Mighty Mouse was great. Yeah. I was a Looney Tunes fan. I had my first pair of glasses had uh, Bugs Bunny on them. It was really cool. Oh, like yeah. in first grade, you know. Elmer Fudd. G.I. Joe? G.I. Joe. Was was are, y'all, are y'all going to crap on that too? Or no? I was never into that or He-Man or any of those. Oh, like, He-Man. I didn't like I that. I, I didn't like it was weird. I didn't like He-Man. Yeah. G.I. Joe was hot though. I needed my cartoons to be really simple, man. I didn't need like Transformers and He Man and all that. Yeah, like storylines. Each other up and dropping a I wasn't handle into, on them or. Yeah. <laughs> you needed, oh, yeah, yeah. You needed a cat chasing a mouse. Like Road, yeah. Road <laughs> Runner and, <laughs> yes. Roadrunner and Wiley Cody. You guys remember um, uh, La- Laugh Olympics? No. No. When they took all the characters from like Hanna Barbera no. and they put them in like an Olympic contest? No. No, but that, that sounds like, terrible. Uh, oh, and Snagglepuss was the reporter. He was no. like, exit stage right, even. No? I, don't, I don't even no. know who Snagglepuss is. I think we've went long enough on this yeah. next question. <laughs> um, like we always get a question about an item in the studio this week. Uh, it's about the Kurt Cobain poster. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just a, it's a cover of a hit parade uh, or whatever. I don't know exactly what the name of the. Um, what is that? Hit, I can't tell. Hit His head's in the way. Yeah. Like Anyways, Kurt. just a cover of a magazine. I was a big Nirvana fan. I remember where I was when I heard, actually it was on MTV, I saw uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, like saw the video or heard the song. I remember when I where I was. I was at a friend's house. I had not heard Nirvana, and uh, they this song had just come out, and we were walking out the door. We were headed somewhere, and we were on a mission uh, to go have some fun, and that song came on, and my buddy goes, hey, have you heard this? I'm like, what? He's like, got to hear this song, man. So we stopped, it stood like five feet from the door looking at the TV, listening to this song, watching the video on MTV. And I'll never forget it because, I mean, that changed my freaking life. Like, Nirvana, I was a huge Nirvana fan. That song changed your life. The, Nirvana saying? did. Their sound. Yeah. Yeah. Just, they, they, they're, they were iconic. Oh, Different. Yeah. We're way better off that they, that, that they made music. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. All right, Ty Smith chiming in on YouTube. Uh, in honor of Talladega this weekend, what's your favorite Talladega memory? Uh, four in a row, you know, just going there <laughs> and winning four damn races in a row. And you know what, really? It's kind of like other every other race car driver. You think about how, how it, what could have been. But uh, five in a row was the race where they gave it to Jeff Gordon when the caution come out, and apparently he was ahead. Um, uh, <laughs> so I didn't get five in a row. I ran second. 
But then we came back and won the next race. So that would have been six in a row, Mike. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You were on a run there. <laughs> you were but, on a run. Uh, I was just talking about this on Twitter the other day. I have the engine that won the first three of four in a row. And the, that engine was in the car for that four in a row race. But in practice, it had a leak and it was pushing water out of freeze plug or something. And they, um, they were like, ah, oh, we got to pull this thing. Mm. We got to put another motor in. And so they pulled it and we never raced it again because it was just too, too risky to run again. And Richie Gilmore and the guys at the motor shop at DEI put this motor on a, on a rolling motor stand, really nice, and cleaned it up, made it look brand new, and gave it to me. I have it, and I don't know why it's not in here. We keep saying we need to bring it over. We need yeah. to bring it over. Yeah, that would be cool to have you in the set studio. it right over there After in the corner. The show, we're going to call Sonny and say, hey, we need that motor yeah. over here. It's heavy. But it, uh, so I have that engine. <laughs> not only did it win three of the Talladega races, but it won, I think, the Pepsi 400 in 2001, uh, a couple qualifying ra- or a couple duels at Daytona, shootouts, stuff like that. I mean, it has a, has a hell of a uh, winning streak. and uh, We won two no-bull Winston Million races. Uh, it won two million bucks just in those two races alone. Oh, the Talladega, uh, because they would have been Talladega. Talladega. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. pretty awesome to have it. Renee wants to know what was your first car um, that you ever owned. First car I owned, me. Uh, well, you know, Dad gave me an S10 when I was 16, so I didn't own that. He owned it. Um, but I did trade that S10 in, and as if it was mine, <laughs> on a. Uh, actually, no. Uh, so I had the S10. That was Dad's. I drove it. I graduated. When I graduated high school, he gave me a two-tone brown, full-size Chevrolet truck, stripped, no options, no carpet, just basically straight-up work truck. And I'm like, this sucks, Dad. This is not even as good as the S10. I want my S10 back. And I would drive by the S10 in the used car lot, look at it, in this shitty old brown two-tone truck, wishing that I had my S10 back. Finally, um, I traded the brown truck in on a, a S10, and I was started making the payments. It was a 1990, uh, nine, 1991, I think, S10 that I, that I started making the payments on, and I had it financed for five years, and my payments were 100 bucks a mm. month, and I flipped it. That's the one you flipped? Yeah. Oh, man. I was driving. Uh, so I'm thinking, man, 100 bucks a month, I got this, five years, whatever, and I drive the truck two months, and I was it was on Christmas Day. I'm going to Mamaw's house to the family reunion. Everyone's there. Kelly, Dad, the whole family, Earnhardt family. I'm driving on Highway 3. My sister had got me a CD player that had the tape deck adapter. Oh, right. You know, right. Yep. It's, it's playing in the, in the passenger seat, and I'm trying to change the CD. I drove the damn truck off the road and hit a driveway culvert, a pipe for a driveway, and rolled the truck seven times. Oh, yeah. Destroyed this truck. I got pictures of that. I mean, I, how did you come out so so I, okay? I got seven times. Yeah. I that's, had all my big. my hands, all my hands and all my knuckles were busted because they were on the steering wheel and the windshield, uh, busted, busted windshield out. was slapping on my hands. Slash, yeah. And knocked all my damn, busted all my hands up. But uh, otherwise, I had my seatbelt on and I stayed in the truck. And I don't, I, I got out. And this car was stopped, and it was this couple, and they had just got engaged. I'll never forget it. And they were like, man, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I think I'm fine. I think I'm actually okay. I was like, I just need to call somebody. Uh, I need to call my dad or, or my mama or somebody. So, And there's a long line of cars starting to form behind my truck, which is laying in the middle of the road. 
And I walk up to this one lady, and I'm like, do you have a phone? The closest car to me. I'm like, I need a phone to call. And she's like, you need to sit down. You're in shock. <laughs> you need to sit down. You're in shock. I'll never forget that. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. I was so pissed off. I was like, next. Go for the next car. And they're like, here. And I was like, oh, I called, called uh, Kelly or Mama or somebody. And I was like, put Dad on the phone. And I called Dad, and I'm like, Dad, I flipped my truck. You gotta come get me. I'm in. Uh, he's like, you alright? I'm like, yeah. God. So he he comes driving up in his truck. It's he, I'm 20 minutes away. Gotta sit there. He drives up. Still no cop. Still no police car yet. Really? Yeah. And Dad drives up, and I'm thinking I'm getting ready to get my butt chewed, man. He is gonna be so mad at me, and especially because I had to pull him out of the family reunion. I'm ruining Christmas for everybody. And he pulls up, and he's smiling. And he's laughing, and he goes, I'll be right back. And he drives like two more miles down the road to the farm where DEI would eventually get built, and he gets the rollback. He comes back, and he's by that time, state trooper shows up. And now I'm thinking, oh, man, I didn't even think about the, the law I might have broke or whatever trouble I'm in as far as my license and all that uh, for flipping my truck. And so I'm nervous now that there's a trooper there, and Dad and him talking to troop. Dad's like, trooper's like, you going to get this truck out of the road? Y'all got it? And Dad's like, yeah, we'll get it. We're good. All right, man, I'm going to take off. I'm like, phew. Okay, so I'm not in trouble with that, uh, with the law or anything. Um, Dad's like, Dad yanks the truck up on the road back, and we drive him back to the farm, and he slaps me on the shoulder, and he goes, I flipped my car when I was 18. I was like, really? He goes, yeah. I was like, man. I was like, this sucks. I love that truck. And I had financed it to, to down to 100 bucks a month. It was so affordable. And now I, what am I going to do, right? And uh, I didn't know how insurance and all that worked. So, oh, boy, you're about to find out. Yeah, right? well, they actually gave me a good check for this truck, and I ended up buying a 94 brand-new S10 uh, from Dad's dealership. And uh, it's it about $130 a month on that. But yeah, I, um, I was so glad. I got pictures of me. I got pictures of the truck on the rollback. Oh, really? Yeah. I've seen them, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the wind the, – the, I took a picture of the the mirror is down next to the radio buttons. Mm. The oh whole freaking gosh. roof was crushed. Yeah. The only thing that saved me was the fact that it was an extended cab, and having that extra structural uh, integrity in the back of the cab is what kept it from crushing it down on top of me. Oh and the windshield, gosh. nothing got your head like with the, no. the hair, nothing. No. Like That's once great. the windshield was mashed, the wind, when the windshield came down, it was like just back beyond the steering wheel because I remember my knuckles getting hammered by that windshield oh. and i pulled my hands off the wheel and the truck was flipping so quickly spinning so quickly that my arms went like this out straight out and i was like ah because one's out the window yeah at this point banging around and i was like oh, and I, I i remember like trying to pull my arms back in and going i can't like it's spinning so fast like i'm just like a rag doll hey. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I literally had to concentrate to get my arms back in and grab a hold of my seatbelt or something, you know, the bottom of the steering wheel, to so my arms wasn't flying. It was violent crash. Oh my gosh! It not it broke the wheels off of it. This thing is destroyed. Did, did you say this already? Was this on Highway Three that yeah, you wrecked it? Two miles past DEI, head toward Canapolis. Wow! Wow! It's a little bit of snow on the side of the road. There wasn't any on the road, but 
I, when I went, because when it started going off the road, it was gone. Like I couldn't, I no, couldn't get it. Yeah. It just went down in the ditch. And when it, and like as soon as it went in the ditch, I'm going 60 mile an hour, probably 55 mile an hour, it hit that pipe and stood on its nose and went boom, 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 boom. Mm. Oh, so it nose over nose or two, two or on, it the, side? Judge, this is from the people that were coming to me, driving at me, the couple the, that got engaged. Two end over ends and four barrel rolls, four or five barrel rolls. Oh my wow. gosh! That was crazy. Do you must one go to get that many rolls? Well, I mean, if you're going to do something, I think it's it. the violence of hitting the pipe and the pipe. The tire, the right front stop. tire, went into the pipe and it just pogo, you know, pole vaulted yeah. the truck. Yeah, it's crazy. Sorry. Go ahead. Next yeah. question. <laughs> wow. So we got deep into that one. First uh, automobile you ever owned? Didn't know that was going to go in. Yeah, yeah it's bad. Awesome. I miss the hell out of that truck. Eric Messer, if you could add one foreign track to the NASCAR schedule, what would it be and why? Uh, oh, Cayuga? Or, uh, yeah, yeah. What's it called now? Oh, shoot. Track in Canada. Yeah, Short it's, track. It's, it used to be Cayuga, yeah. and it's now Jalissa. J- Jalissa? No, is it Jalissa? Jalasco Jil- Jil- Motorsports Park? Or, yeah. I'll look it up. I, don't, <laughs> I, I would love to go to a short track. I, I'd probably add a short track, and uh, it'd be up in Canada. I, I think it, you know. It'd be awesome to to for our team. I know it's probably challenging to get through customs and do all those things. It's very tough logistically for the teams because we've done it um, here at even Junior Motorsports. That would that'd be awesome to go up there and run short tracks. Oswego maybe. Oswego is pretty cool. Uh, Steel Palace yeah. man, uh, steel walls on both sides of the track. Yeah. That thing's unique. But uh, Jucasa Motor Speedway. Jucasa. Yeah, that place I heard is like yeah. a crown jewel. Where in Canada is it? I hate the word crown jewel. It's um, in uh, Hagersville, which is in Ontario. Okay. I don't even know why I hate it. I don't either. Wait, crown you don't, jewel. It's, it's not a like When that? people say it's a crown jewel, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, what yeah. is that? What is a crown jewel? Can we call it then like I mean, a... like Awesome a, place? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> yeah, he has it's his, more gooder. He has his bad experience with crowns, apparently. It just says, it just when somebody <laughs> says crown jewel, that goes, I don't know where to put that. Where do you even put that? Where does it, yeah, it's you, a crown jewel. I know exactly where that is. You don't have a lot of jewels, yeah. <laughs> you're not a jewel guy. You're not. I'm not a jewel guy, no. but nobody is. Who? You got some jewels, Mike? <laughs> I mean, I might. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Um. Let's see here. Uh. What's the top on your playlist right now? We were talking about music earlier with Will Power. Oh, my buddies at uh, Danger Summer just came out with a new record called Mother Nature. The Danger Summer is the band. It's kind of punk, alternative, uh, pop. So. Love those guys. Went and seen them in concert here recently. New new record called Mother Nature. It's awesome. All right. That's all we got time for today. Awesome. Well, that was a lot of fun. That was it actually was. some great questions. That'll add a lot to already a great show. So thanks for everybody for tuning in. Thanks for Nationwide for sponsoring. Ask Junior. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. All right. White flag. Let me start, guys, with a programming note, a TV programming note. This episode of the Dell Junior Download will not be airing on its regular Tuesday time slot on NBC Sports Network this week. So they've got some other TV live event coverage going on. We're told it'll air some point prior to the Indy 500. So we'll keep you posted on our Dirty Mo Media social media channels. All right. Right, we have a bunch of new reviews on our Apple Podcast page. Here's a few. It's Bristol Baby says, We're junior fans through and through, so excited to listen to the download weekly. Learning so much about racing that we never knew before. Also, my 18-month-old Bristol, yes, we named her after Bristol Motor Speedway, loves it too. So we've got, wow. we've got people naming their babies after racetracks, which one made me wonder what, what racetracks would be good baby names. Like, I could see Dillner doing this. I did. You did. I did. 
What did you name your baby after a racetrack? Well, his first name is Hudson. Okay. Which pays homage to the famous race car. Okay. And then um, his middle name is Phoenix. Gray. No, his, <laughs> his middle name is Gray after uh, my beloved Bowman Gray statement. <laughs> did oh you my know that? God. Did you know he named his kid after Bowman Gray? Well, no, my wife, my <laughs> wife loved the name Gray. <laughs> You My, have a comment about this. You want to yes, say it, Dale. He's got that little smirk. Look at that smirk. <laughs> I, My wife didn't want any cheesy racing names, okay? Listen. But she loved, she thought the name Gray was a really pretty, okay. really nice I don't name. have, I don't have, I don't, I think it is good as long as his wife loves the name. Yeah, that's the only one that I could sneak in there. Did you try others? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what did you try? I tried that. I tried Islander players' names, all different things. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she's, a, she's a smart cookie. So uh, we have another one here. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. T-J-U-O-N-G says, uh, Dale Jr., fellow Mooresville High grad here. My grandparents actually kept you some on weekends when your dad was racing back in the day. There's a lot of those people out that kept you, by the way. I've noticed really? over the years. I don't, know. I don't know how many babysitters you had. <laughs> You're right about cops being better than live PD, going back to a conversation we had oh, yeah. right in the early uh, episodes this year. If you ever want to experience the real thing, let me know. You could ride with me, Mooresville Police Department. Oh, uh, really? Oh, that's cool. awesome. That's cool. So there you go. Um, by the way, that reminds me that you can buy a raffle ticket uh, on uh, ridewithdalejr.com <laughs> <laughs> at Darlington for $25. Um, that's in a race car, not a police car, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Chris Petsky says, I had never listened to podcasts until about a month ago when I heard Dale Jr. did. The, now I am subscribed to yours and 10 others that I listen to every week. I agree with almost every opinion you have, Dale Jr. <laughs> And Dale, also, P.S., if you want to join our NASCAR pool, it's $30 a year. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, The Honest Truth says, I was away from NASCAR for a few years, but this podcast has reignited something in me. I decided this year to fully jump back in, and I thoroughly look forward to the podcast week each week. And and I was saying this to Dale Jr. earlier this morning, guys, is that I have noticed a lot of people, uh, especially in these reviews, that were saying that they were sort of, they, they got away from NASCAR, and now they're coming back. Good. Because of the conversations that we're having here, so I think we could all be appreciative of that. I mean, if cool. if all the things that we're doing, I mean, if it's bringing people back to their love of racing, we, we'd have no problems with that, right? Leave uh, the sport a better place. That's right. Lastly, uh, follow Dirty Mo Media on all our social media channels: YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's very easy. It's at Dirty Mo Media. And Dale Jr., that's it, buddy. All right, man. We got some odd history for you. This one's pretty good. L.W. Wright made his NASCAR debut at Talladega in May 1982, but was he really a racer or a con man? Uh-oh. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Wright first came on the scene when a man named William Dunaway contacted a Nashville newspaper to do some publicity on a local racer attempting to compete in Talladega's Winston 500. He claimed to have support from country music star T.G. Shepard. <laughs> oh, T.G.? T.G. Shepard supported... NASCAR, and yep. he supported Rick Hendricks, Tim Richmond's driven number 25 Folgers coffee car. As the story, after the story was printed, Shepard claimed to have never met Wright. So Shepard says, look, I ain't never heard of this guy. Wright purchased a car from Sterling Marlin of Nashville, coincidentally, uh, with $17,000 in cash and a $3,700 check. He then bought a NASCAR license after submitting a check for $115 and entered the race as Music City Racing. Okay. <laughs> All right, number yeah. 34. Wright was legally allowed to compete under Alabama's right-to-work law, which allowed anyone to race if they could afford the license and pay the $100 entry fee, along with possessing a car that met NASCAR regulations. Besides, he also had a pit crew prepared. Part of that crew? Crew chief? Sterling Marlin. Nah. <laughs> this is crazy. This is just crazy. 
whose skepticism grew when his driver asked questions at the track that Marlon later said experienced drivers typically wouldn't ask. <laughs> Why is there banking in this thing? <laughs> <laughs> When confronted at Talladega about his T.G. Shepard sponsorship, he admitted it was a bit premature, but said he was working on support from another country music star, Merle Haggard. No, of course. It's a name dropper. On track, right, wrecked, and qualifying. They repaired his Chevrolet, and on Sunday, he finished 39th after an engine failure took him out after only 13 laps. What happened next is even more peculiar. Peculiar! You got it. <laughs> right? Abandoned the car and disappeared. He got out and took off. Gone. It, it turned out that L.W. Wright was a fake name, and all of his checks were back. Owing thousands of dollars to many people, private investigators were hired, and police issued warrants seeking his arrest. The man was never found, and the real identity of L.W. Wright remains a mystery. <laughs> what? This is the crazy... This is... <laughs> I thought it was going to be in the identity. Of I don't know. Right. It's I Richard don't know how. Petty. <laughs> I don't know how in the hell you can't enjoy today's podcast, folks. That's Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. This bit of badassery was made by Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo.